space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the USS Adequate, our ongoing mission until we are cancelled and replaced with something far more superior, to review every Star Trek episode and movie in existence, to seek out new guests and make them very uncomfortable, to boldly go where many other YouTube channels have clearly gone before. <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Star Trek It We're Nerdy Up North. I am your host, Captain Goodwill of the USS Adequate, and joining me as ever is my wonderful wonderful co-host science officer Sinoise and this week we are joined by a very special guest Baron LeVay. Hello Baron. Absolutely perfect <laughs> costume by the way. I mean the way I look I'm sorry. How are you? <laughs> I'm living life and looking forward to talking about my favorite captain. Oh Cisco. <laughs> oh, oh, we're gonna have to calm down. Do I have to separate you two already? <laughs> of course, you are here to talk about Janeway. As soon as we got, I, I said in my head, as soon as we get a good Janeway slash seven of nine episode, I was like, Baron, we have to get Baron as a guest. <laughs> well, fuck whoever you're thinking about Goodwill, we're getting Baron. <laughs> How are you, Sinai's, this week? I'm good. I'm good. It's been it's been one of those ones where I was like, oh, it's a nice simple weekend. Oh, but this. Oh, but this. Oh, but this. And then it kind of piled up a little bit. But it's been it's been quite good. Uh, me and Baron had a barbecue uh, on Monday, which was quite nice. It was. Oh, it was... it's it's. I I can't believe it's Friday again. It it feels only like yesterday that we did um, the last episode, which is yeah. kind of worrying that everything is starting to amalgamate into one huge blur um, at least it's a blur of trek though it, you know at least it's an yeah. enjoyable blur of trek oh, it's, oh it is it is <laughs> i would like to say good evening good morning good afternoon uh whatever the hell it is in your time zone to the chat we've got lee davis we've got christopher we've got beth we've got the wonderful sammy from monsters up north we've got as oh. ever our cult leader paul nanu nanu all hail the greatest leader. <laughs> we are not worthy. We are not worthy. Uh, oh, apparently, oh, you liked the intro, did you? Well, it's staying, so get used to it. We've got Adam in the chat who uh, composed the beautiful cover of uh, Star Trek Voyager's theme. Hi, Adam. Hope you are well. Um, let me just see who else have we got? Who else have we got? <gasps> we've got the lovely Donna in the chat. And we've got Peaches. Hi, everybody. <laughs> I hope you're well. If you are new to our show, please say hi in the chat. Don't forget to give us a like. Uh, give us a comment when this is done. And please subscribe as well. Every little helps. We are the Tesco of, <laughs> of nerdy channels. Every little helps. Welcome. Oh, please, uh, can I have some more subscriptions, please? Can I <laughs> It's just Paul coming out with a little bowl. Being Please, like, sir. Arms. May I have one more sub, sir? <laughs> yeah, no. one more sub. Well, <laughs> well you may have a dom and be glad of it. <laughs> to be uh, fair, Christopher in the chat is saying that he has dominoes, and I'm just like, you bastard. Ooh, <laughs> dominoes. At least, at least if you've got dominoes, just rub a slice against the screen or the webcam or something, you know, and then I'll get a I'm little... Either it. <laughs> yeah, I'll breathe, I'll breathe it in through the magic of technology. Breaking well, news. Something. <laughs> Breaking news. Paula said I'm sacked. So this is what <laughs> I really think. No. <laughs> uh, that's behind me. Behind me. I don't know if you notice. I've got the shelf of mild destitution with this week's ships. We do have the lovely Voyager. Very tiny, very tiny little Voyager. Uh, mini Voyager. Mini Voyager. And we do yeah. have the Borg Cube because we are talking 
again about the Borg in this week's... I, I have to say, this is weird, this episode, because like Voyager added so much nuance to the Borg, but this is the episode where they literally have the full gamut of basically Borg Lego. Like where, you know, we're used to only getting cubes in TNG, and then in this one they've got... I don't know, they've got like a Borg Snickers bar or an oblong or whatever the fuck that is at the beginning. They've got a, you know, they've got the, the sphere, they've got a cube, they've probably got a hexagon somewhere and you're just going, okay, right, cool. When did the Borg get creative? Look, they have a geometry fetish. Get used to it. Stop <laughs> yeah, they, shaming. To, to be fair, do, do you reckon they just sort of like, you know, assimilated like Pythagoras or something or like a, a race of architects and they were like, oh, actually... Uh, Aerodynamic. Okay, uh, let's give it a go. The architectrons of <laughs> yeah, geometry the hate. The architectrons. Species 3.14. Get that? It's, it's like species <laughs> one. Oh, oh, that's surprising. Species. Yeah. Also, also, before we get into this, how do the Borg name things? Because, you know, it's one of these things, because you can usually explain all of this stuff, Goodwill, because you oh, explain God. this stuff about how the star dates and stuff work. <sighs> where it goes, oh, species 452 in the Alpha Quadrant. And then you have someone in the Delta Quadrant who's like species 7,000. And you're like, did you just miss them? Is they, that like, did you just... They, they, they are like a mother in a supermarket. They don't have one clear route. <laughs> they zigzag between the aisles because they want to have a look at the best offers. Okay. That That's is a perfect different. fucking answer. Thank you. <laughs> it's not the right one. I, I was like that earlier. I was like, maybe if I stopped for five minutes and like thought about where things would be. No, no, no. No, Let's no. Let's just wander around aimlessly. No, 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 no. So, yes, guys, let's... Let's dive right into it, shall we, with Star Trek Voyager Season 5, Episode 1516, Dark Frontier, Parts 1 and 2, or just Part 1, if you're in certain countries. This is episode 556 out of 853 thus far. That's crazy. That's 883, sorry. 883, yeah. Yeah. Thus far. That is insane in the membrane because we are going to be doing this for the rest of our lives. <laughs> at this rate, because they will not stop producing more Star Trek, which is good, but not good for us yeah. because we will never sleep. <laughs> Um, and the fact is, because we're going to be reviewing uh, Strange New Worlds episode by episode when the, new series, when the new series comes out, that means we've got like 10 weeks where we're not even doing it. So we're never going to get through all of it. Oh, of course not. Of course not. I, well, I, I'll have lost my hair by the by the time we get finished. Oh, God! <laughs> so anyway... <laughs> yeah, so this is a... Production-wise, this is a, a, a weird episode because this was a mid-season feature-length episode. It was not a cliffhanger or anything like that. It was just... The guys just went, hi, let's just do a two-hour. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, I was wondering how it was when I was watching it on Netflix. I was like, oh, there's no easy cut. Like, there's no sort of, that's the dramatic end to the episode, like, to be continued. And they just sort of put it together. And I was like... Oh, so yeah, that that's crazy that they just went, oh, go on, we'll have a film. Yeah, so it was it was a it was a feature length episode where some territories did divide it up. Um, Sky famously did uh, they they broadcast it as a two part format, but aired it the same night back to back. Mm. I think I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, and the announcer was like, oh, we've lost the extra tape. Oh, no, wait, we found it. Here's part two. <laughs> and we're like, oh, Sky, 
you greedy <laughs> japes you greedy buffoons <laughs> um so so yeah it's, so this was a, a mid-season feature length episode featuring everyone's favorite enemy the borg so it's a really it's a really good opening for, for this episode because the hive mind uh, detects a vessel at grid 424 uh, no sorry uh, what was it detects a vessel uh in oh oh where is it space space yes the <laughs> grid 116 i've got all these notes guys please forgive me they're all over the place so many numbers and i'm dyslexic with numbers so yeah so a Borg probe, which is the first and only time we do see a Borg probe, which is the mm. rectangular vessel. It's, as I said, it's a Snickers bar. It's, it's basically Snickers. it's like space Snickers just floating around. So all the Borg drones nuts. Oh. Well, I'd say so. You know, like if you use anything to go by. So what's the gooey <laughs> caramel? <laughs> that, that's the queen. Ah, uh, yeah. Al Alice Krieg in her gooey center. That's not Alice Krieg in this episode. It's not. It's, it's not. Susanna we, we, Thompson. I think Tom <laughs> Susanna Thompson. Um, but yeah, so the, the Borg probe detects Voyager. They say surrender. Jane is just like, yeah, nah. Beams a torpedo and just blows the fuckers in half. How? Yeah. Baron, you've got to admit, this scene is absolutely incredible for this. Just just Janeway being a badass. Like, can you imagine um, any of the other captains being like, oh, we'll just teleport a torpedo onto the ship. That's fine. And she has that iconic moment where she says, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm feeling lucky today. And I'm like, <laughs> next way to start that. Such, such, it's... I don't give a fuck attitude to like well, the greatest enemy of the Federation. I, I, I love the idea, though, that this is, you know, this is kind of like on in Voyager. Like, it's past the halfway point. We've got, like, seven of nine in it and stuff. But yeah. I genuinely love the idea that, like, Janeway's had this progression where she starts off being... She starts off being sort of, oh, yeah, we couldn't possibly take the easy route, easy route back to the Alpha Quadrant because it doesn't follow protocol. Mm. And then in this episode, she's like, this is no time for protocol. And you're like, what? Okay. You know, like, Prime directive? She's just given up by this point. She, she's gone through the year of hell, I think, at this point. Yeah. She's just like, fuck it. She, she's, she's very loosey-goosey with this because obviously they are trying to salvage or they are trying to find a transwarp conduit. Um, coil. coil. Coil, sorry, yes. Mm. They're trying to find a transwarp coil to reduce uh, their journey back home to earth so they <laughs> she just yeets a torpedo into someone's bedroom <laughs> blows the ship in half and then goes you were only supposed to disable them and it's yeah, I, I i do like though this whole thing is just like really like janeway is like it seems odd that seven's just like oh the whole ship blew up why did that happen oh yeah we put the torpedo next to their main power thing and it's like going yeah that that's like a rookie error <laughs> you know like surely you, that, you would seven. not do that yeah, yeah, it's, I, yeah, icon behavior. Yeah, it's yeah. like oh, it's like oh, I I didn't know shooting him in the head would be that devastating. You're like oh, okay, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, shooting I, him I in do... the head kills them. When <laughs> it's like oh well, rookie error next time. Yeah. And Janeway's like oh well, that's quite a body count. But you know, thanks then. Yeah, seven she... slow revenge against the universe. But I, I do, it. I have to say, though, the first bit, before the torpedo gets teleported, hmm. 
the the Borg vessel. This is iconic Star Trek to me, where it's the you know it's the the green lighting, these mm. closed off corridors, the weird. Oh, what are they called? You know the thing, the globes where you put your hand on them, and the electricity goes to your hand yeah. or whatever. But it basically just has circles with them in, and you're just like, it's so advanced. <laughs> you know, there's some technological race, but it's a. Uh, and also, it identifies their ship as an intrepid class, whereas I thought Voyager had never been seen before. So surely the Borg would just be like, oh, it's Voyager, like rather than, oh, another intrepid class that's... Trek fact coming in. Trek Go fact coming in. But does in... Baron know the fact, actually? Uh, probably oh, yeah, not. Yeah. I was... Maybe they assimil assimilated someone who knew that Voyager existed. Yeah. But, they would, but it's they like, would surely they'd be like, oh, it's Voyager. Or or the Queen would be like, it's fucking Janeway. But they would have the knowledge, because obviously they are a hive mind, so they would know from assimilated Starfleet databases that the configuration is intrepid class. Mm -hmm. So they would just look at it. They wouldn't know the name. They would just go, oh, this is an intrepid class uh, ship. This is what the armaments are. And they're just like, oh, shit, this is Janeway's. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, so, so, yeah. Oh, look, a missile. <laughs> So yeah, but it, it it's they're in the cargo bay in the next scene and the 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 salvaging through and the doctor very few scenes with the doctor in this feature length, but he's just like, I found an arm <laughs> and he but he does it in the most Eureka and he's just like, Look at this <laughs> And Chakotay is like, you know, my people have a say Shut up, Chakotay <laughs> yes, um, No one cares. <laughs> but it's it's literally like right there and it's like doctor this has got sharp pointy things did no one program you to not run with scissors i see i like it i mean th this episode is a perfect like both of these episodes are the perfect the writers don't know what to do with certain characters <laughs> like you know where just and you know the the doctor doesn't have much to do in this one but yes. then in this in the second one he you know it's like okay cool you know he has more <laughs> for the doctor to do but it does have some characters like literally like we'll get in the in the next scene we have it where you know uh, where Janeway gets Tom to explain something and they're like cool you did something this episode that's, that's it you know and like Neelix comes over and he's like I brought these things to you what was that Baron. <laughs> Bad thing though, because Tom Paris, we don't like. Yeah. Tom. Well, when when you have to eat, when you have to have them finding a fucking old American car in space for his like, you know, for him to have some relevance, you're just kind of going like, okay, maybe that's a weird character to have. <laughs> yeah, and, and and at this point, it's Ensign Tom Paris as well. He's being killed. Ooh. Ooh, yes. Ooh, still a bit salty about that when it, when he gets <laughs> demoted. Uh, shout out uh, to Baron's uniform. The chat is really loving the uniform, Baron. Well, this is the thing about Baron. Baron, <laughs> please go into it. Bar <clears throat> Baron is one of the... Is seminal the word? I don't oh. think it is. I think it's uh, one of the best drag queens, uh, drag kings in Newcastle, in the UK, I'm willing to say. <gasps> Our amazing drag king, uh, TikTok star, cosplay icon. Okay, they're blushing now. I am a cosplay. I do cosplay uh, Captain Janeway. Um, not as often as I would like, but that's because there are pigs in comments um, <laughs> who tried to school me on one of my favourite characters of all time. Um, but yeah, I... Janeway is is everything to me. So 
I appreciate the uniform. There is no room for bigotry in Star Trek. If you are a fan of Star Trek and you are a bigot, you need your head checking. Yeah, Uh, you have missed the point of Star Trek, I think is the the key thing. (laughs) Since when was there walkness in Star Trek? Uh, It's also the idea. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. And it's like if you if you want to complain about Janeway, I think you might need to say it to her face, and she will probably knock you out. <laughs> she will like... two vix the fuck out of you. <laughs> so please, yeah. two vix being a verb. Yep, you are going to get two vixed. <laughs> You're going to get parist, kimmed, and then two vixed. <laughs> wow. Because, like we've already mentioned in this episode, she has got the biggest cojones known to Starfleet at this point, where she's just like, the Borg? Yeah, never mind. Let's go get some transwarp coils. I I do love that when they have the missions in this, where she's on the Borg cube, Hmm. she just has the most ludicrous gun in the entire world. It's proper Vasquez from Aliens vibe. Like, yeah, she could probably have a hand phaser or something. And then she's just like... She's got the tweezer Tommy gun of phasers. Where she's... (laughs) Yeah. Because they are... Like I said, so, so... at this point in the episode, they're looking through the wreckage, they're finding things useful, the Doctor's sort of shoved scissor hands into Chakotay's nose. He has to go meditate to his people afterwards he's that traumatised mm. by it. They, <laughs> they they keep looking, they keep looking. They... Chakotay has a line where she's like, where Chakotay say, Chakotay says like that Janeway fiddles with her comm badge when she's about to drop a bombshell. And I'm like, is this something they just made up for the episode, or does you this never exist? see it ever again? Look, ooh, I know it's that. It's what it felt very much like that, and I was like, "Does she? Is that a thing?" Yeah. <laughs> I, I've never seen that. I've never seen her do it before oh. or after. So I'm just like, okay, Chicote, you are noticing something that is literally just happened. Where it's like in DS9, where it's like, uh, what, what's the episode where it's like, obviously with the devil herself um, and Miles O'Brien. Where it's the episode where Miles goes missing and the whole case on, is based hang on. Hang on. Are we going about Kai Wynn? Or are we going about no. Keiko? Don't say her name. Oh, God. Her. She no, must no. not be named. You might summon Keiko and Molly the Destroyer. No. Okay. But, um, but yeah, that, that episode where she's just like, oh, it couldn't possibly be Miles. He never drinks coffee in the uh, afternoon. And then it turns out later he totally does and she just doesn't know her husband. And he's just like, okay, right. So, so I like the idea of Chakotay being like, oh, that's your tell. And Janeway's like, I've never done this before. But yeah. okay, fair enough. But the most useful but, uh, thing. Sorry, go on, Barry. Yeah. Oh, He's well, like, ow. <laughs> yeah. Why are you fondling your, your combadge, Captain? You know, my people have a saying about, shut up, Chakotay. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> your people have a lot to say. You know? he, is, he is the shut up Wesley of Voyager sometimes. <laughs> I, I don't know, like I, I like Chicote. I, I like Chicote, like but yeah. he's my every every Star Trek. I don't know if you're like this, Baron, but it's like every Star Trek there's one character where when it's one of their episodes, I'm like, ooh, am I in the mood? You know? And I find it a bit like I find Chicote a bit like that, where it's like, oh, it's a pure Chicote episode. Yeah. <laughs> but for me it's it's Paris and Bellana that get me for for that. Uh but I mean, can we just the fish episode. That's yeah. That's all I need to say. <laughs> that's yeah. the only way Paris is getting a ten like Janeway. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> You'd have to de-evolve me to a fish to get me. 
Salamander fetish. Likely phrases. Salamander fetish, that's all I'm going to say. Troy McClure (laughs) of Star Trek Voyager. So, uh, (laughs) I have deep, dark passions. I love love the people in the chat who don't know what we're talking about, who are just going to be like, what the actual fuck? And I'm like, yes, watch Voyager. (laughs) Shout out to Mark Cartier, who is in the chat. I am so sorry. We are on about salamander fetishes. And Mark Cartier joins the chat. Oh dear. Hi, Mark. <laughs> I love it. He, he joins at the worst possible times. It's so good. But back in the oh. sal- back in the salvaging, Janeway has another amazing quote moment where she goes, this is how I prefer the Borg in pieces. Oh, she is so kick-ass. <laughs> yeah. Badass so Janeway. Badass, badass Janeway. Yeah, but Seven does find some data nodes that may pull some, you uh, may have some useful information. Um, one of them is a drone manifest, so there may be some tactical info. Seven goes away, does some analysis. Uh, back in astromech, uh, <laughs> back in astrometrics. Oh. Um, the data recovers that there is a scout ship limping home to Borg space at warp two. It's been heavily damaged in a storm. Mm. Um, and they go, ah, so potentially this is our next target. This is Janeway's prey. She is salivating. <laughs> you know, she, she's got the thirst for blood from Tuvix. So she is salivating <laughs> at the ma- at, at the mouth. You know, ooh, many, many thousands of Tuvixes I could yeah. airlock in. The, the year of hell didn't last long enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The... <laughs> Should have given me the full series. Oh, God, no. Um... <laughs> A little side note about that. A lot of people compare uh, Star Trek Voyager to Battlestar Galactica, where at the end of Battlestar Galactica, this ship has its back broken. It is battle damaged. It is absolutely ruined. And yet Voyager is just like showroom fresh for seven years. Well, I, I do like that in this episode, it has it where like they, they hit the point, obviously, in season one, it's very much like Enterprise, where it's going, oh, how do we manage all of this? Like, we can't get the replicators working. We don't have enough power for stuff. But yeah. then it literally hits a point where it's like, oh, it's fine now. You know, and in this one, they literally like they, they what do you call it? Where you, um you know, they, they suicide a shuttle effectively. This episode. Uh, yeah, and then they're yeah. like, oh, well, we'll just make another one. Whereas in every other Star Trek, like, shuttles are, like, precious things. Like, in TNG and stuff, they're like, what? We lost a shuttle? No! Shuttles are not as important as coffee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's coffee in that nebula. More amazing Janeway quotes. Yeah. More amazing. Ab- more absolute. There is coffee in that nebula. So, yeah, so they, they find this box here. They go uh, to the, what was it called? The meeting room? What what did they call that room? We've got the ready room, observation observation lounge. Observation lounge. The observation lounge. They're like, um, oh, it's space. Well, that was informative. No way, Mark. You wrote for Battlestar Galactica. Okay, right. When I say I want you on the show, <laughs> I need you on the show because <laughs> Battlestar yeah. is huge. Absolutely. I, huge. I was waiting for you to try and fit Battlestar Galactica in this episode. It's yes. like me and fitting Keiko into it. It's like I'll find a way. Sean Ferrick Mark from Trek Culture would would we can talk for hours with you about Battlestar Galactica. So please, please send me a message and we we will organize something in the near future. <laughs> but uh also say what was that, Baron? Also another sci-fi show with another MILF in it, so I'm there. Oh, <laughs> Hundred, a hundred percent. I think we're going to have to have a spin-off of the spin-off of Battlestar Galactica. 
because it's it's just such a seminal show that that needs full in-depth conversation and yeah. i'm here for it i am absolutely here for it Sinoise, watch Battlestar Galactica. So I need to I need to watch it again. Like I literally I watched it, but it was ages ago, and I'm just like, this is due a full rewatch. <laughs> literally know? right next to me is my Battlestar <laughs> flight suit, like cosplay, like military jacket flight suit. Um but it's it's on the exercise bike. So oh fuck it, why not? <laughs> Hold on, have you been riding the exercise bike dressed for Battlestar Galactica? Yes, so say we all. See? <laughs> oh amazing. Hey! So say we all we are full-on viper pilots see oh. here we go i've just made a complete mess getting that this is the passion i have to show things off well i'm moist good so they're in the observation lounge janeway devises a plan and she calls it fort knox a little bit of yeah. exposition for the 24th century people who are not obviously aware of the largest gold bullion in the world well, well, they're then being like, they're then being like, okay, Tom, just so you have something to do in this episode, explain what Fort Knox is. And he's like, ah, random Americana, my my only subject. <laughs> you know, just, and then he explains it, and then just, I think we he drives a shuttle later and has looks at the camera a bit, and that's it. <laughs> that's all they know what to do. In with this, Tom. in this twenty fourth century heist, he is the wheelman. <laughs> okay, so... yeah, yeah. That, that is his role. He is the baby driver of Voyager. That's all we are going to say. Without the... Uh, yes. So, moist. Why is everyone saying moist? Oh, no. Moist. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, what have you started? Moist. What have you started? Oh, no. So, yeah, they are planning a heist to steal a transwarp coil from the Borg Sphere. Uh, they are calling it uh, Fort Knox. Janeway, again, another ID... IDAGF moment for Janeway where she's like, We've we've been on the run, time to hit back. And you're like, dude, you are just like an itty bitty tiny little ship against these monumental monoliths of cubes. Isn't it scary though that like obviously a lot of the things that people complain about Voyager and especially the Borg is the fact that the Borg have lost threat by this point. But you know, in, in, in its defense, I'd say it's the fact of, you know, Voyager have been through a lot of shit and therefore they've kind of, you know, like uh, Janeway's got to this level of sort of like, oh, I don't give a crap. Like, you know, the throw the rule book out the window. Like, we don't know that this isn't the first skirmish that they've had with the Borg. So it sounds like they've kind of adapted a lot of tactics to be oh, like, oh, actually. Oh. They've adapted. Yeah, they've adapted. They've assimilated some... (laughs) I feel as well, Janeway probably feels like she's got a permanent one-up on the boat because she's got an ex-drone and she's the only ex-drone that's ever existed. So that's probably like a... Yeah, Yeah. we can do anything. We've got something that that didn't exist before us. Yeah, and it's also the fact of like, you know, that the Borg's whole thing is that they know your tactics before you get there. Well, if it doesn't work the first time, then they know. Well, except in this episode where they seem a bit weird with it, where they're like, oh, yeah, we ad- we assimilated all that knowledge and we knew exactly what you were going to do, but still got caught out by it. And you're like, you need to try harder, Borg. You know? Yeah, so... <laughs> you know, like the Queen's just like, oh, yeah, the Hansons used to do that. Well, this is... for that, really, but still a perfect race. You know? but, but this is the thing, because we also get... Uh, lovely because we, we do have a throughout the episode we have an a b c story so the c story well, i would say b or c story is seven or nine's parents on the raven yeah 20 years ago which is crazy because this ties it in 
to Star Trek Picard season three, where, you know, it's this idea of, you know, we had like all of these episodes we're randomly getting from the, the Dabo wheel of Trek. And then we're like, oh, they all kind of tie into this like season three yeah. of Picard. Yeah, but we, we she finds that she finds a because they have obviously they have the Ravens logs and Neelix, mm. you know, this is one of the few times. So that, he has something to do. So, so he episode. has something to do. I brought a box because that's the the scope of my abilities. Ten teraquads worth of data distilled into these little. Do you remember those nineties commercials for the CDs where it's like we have got one hundred and fifty amazing tracks on these seventy? <laughs> yes. This is exactly what this Tupperware box of pads is, where it's just like we have got all this data distilled into this little box. Just um, it's so it's so bad. Like you know when you think back of the past and stuff, and obviously like when they were doing Voyager, they were probably like oh you know memory's not going to get that crazy kind of thing but like uh or you know they were all the hansons were just filming everything in ludicrous hd and you're like it doesn't matter no one's gonna watch it you know um but <laughs> but it's this idea of i was on amazon the other day and i went down my wish list and mm. right at the bottom it had something that i added in i think 2007 or something like ages ago and it was a wish list for basically an mp3 player with four gigabytes of memory okay and obviously my wildest dreams at the time like you know highly unlikely but just think of the 250 songs do you even know 250 songs (laughs) remember when they did that where they put on the amount of songs you could fit on something and now it's like all music ever you know it's like everything you know yeah there was a there was a show that said oh uh, you you with your amateurish mp3 i just have this cube with every song every made and i'm just like yep we do now <laughs> we have the spotify <laughs> I, I i just love that all of the um all of the pads on voyager are like no one making them all this wonderful advancement that they had in other areas of technology mm. and no one's thought about putting more than 32 meg into a pad so yeah. they're literally okay i have 50 pads and each one's like a kindle so but it's it's, I mean, th- this scene with with the pads is a good scene between Neelix and Seven because Seven believes that her parents were misguided. She she blames her parents essentially for, I for being. Quote. I have a quote. Ooh. I've done all. Of it. She says, "My parents underestimated the collective because of their arrogance. I was raised by Borg." Yes, it's an excellent yeah. quote. Yes, very very bitter from uh, Seven of Nine. But then Neelix. The question is... is, though, is she proven wrong in this episode? Mm. I mean, I you know, I'm I'm it's this sort of thing. Well, obviously, she starts out with this sort of like opinion of her parents, and then like as it goes on, we're like, yeah, that's pretty much what happened, really. But we'll see. Well, earlier this this episode is the episode of mummy issues. Jane <laughs> and mummy now, so it doesn't matter what what the the real Hansons did um, at this point because they they essentially created the situation that she was in to yeah. be Janeway's oh, Mar- Marcus is, just it called is... it the Baron Bomb I like that <laughs> <That's> brilliant <laughs> but it is it, it's mommy issues the movie where it's literally like it's it's seven and a two surrogate mums fighting over custody effectively <laughs> where you've got like you know you've got Janeway being like I'm strict but fair and the Borg Queen being like I don't know, like gaslighting central, basically. Mm-hmm. Passive aggressive, the feature length episode. So, uh, 
but but yeah so neelix sort of does come back with a good point where it's like you've got all this data all i've got is some old pictures and not a lot of them a, a faded hollow photo and you're like how does that happen <laughs> how does that happen neelix and i think he's just messed up the brightness contrast on the pad and you're like no no you can turn it okay fair enough <laughs> turned up the full no, no, grain you... <laughs> Yeah, you can you can turn the car, you can turn the brightness up, and he's like noise oh, okay, cancellation. Do you understand? <laughs> I'll go and burn something. Sorry, sorry. Production quality, Neelix. Do you know it? Uh... <laughs> I mean, the, the the fact that Neelix in this scene looks like a magic eye puzzle, like you know, literally the outfit he's wearing. You could stare at him and see a sailboat. It's nineties curtains. Romulans, Neelix, they all wear nineties curtains. If, they are black no, if, if you had curtains like that, that is how you make a serial killer. If you have someone sitting in a room with curtains like that for more than an hour a day. There goes the monitor. Yeah, um, okay, okay, cool. I, just just going just gonna <laughs> I, remove I my have, curtains. And it's it's super super popular right now, all of the vintage clothing that looks like that. It's all in again. You can get it really easily. Let me address you up as Neelix. Oh God, can you imagine? <laughs> That'd be so good. Or oh. Quark. Ah, <gasps> uh, I I think I'd love that. Like I just I love Neelix and Quark's outfits because you can tell that it was the costume designer just being like, finally I can mess around. Because in this episode, like the crazy thing later on, we have a whole race appearing who have their own dress style and their own costumes, and we see like twenty of the costumes. And you're like, that costume designer was just like, okay, here's a race. We're never going to see them again, probably. Uh, and here's how, design how they look, make 20 of those costumes, and then that's it. You know, that that's scary to think that that's like a team of people's jobs. That's dedication to Star Trek lore. Let's not forget, yeah. like, every, every facet of Star Trek was made with love and attention to detail and passion from the ships to the costumes to the music, everything. That's why, to this day, they are timeless and they are constantly on syndication because they are episodes that, and movies that you can just watch again and again and again because they are set in the future. Yes, they may be a little bit dated here and there, but the passion and the, the attention to detail will always shine through. And then they go and spoil it with Naomi fucking Wildman. Oh, we'll get to that, Sinois. Good grief. <laughs> so Seven starts reading the logs and we do get a flashback to Stardate 32611.4 20 years ago, if anyone's paying attention, to the Raven, uh, where a young Annika Hansen is playing with a Borg Cube. Side note, Playmates, Star Trek The Next Generation, <laughs> Borg Cube with sound effects. Was it? Was yes. it actually merch? It was actually <laughs> merchandise. Amazing. Of course it was. You know, and Magnus comes in and goes, no, 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 that's not a toy. It's a collectible. I'm like, yes, yes, <laughs> it is. You've taken it out of the original packaging. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you into space. No, it's devalued. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, she... Uh, also, can I just say that Magnus is kind of hot in a weird way? I was watching it. I was like, oh, he did endanger his whole family, but um, maybe. Oh, see, anyway. thank you, Mark. <laughs> thank you, Mark. Mark is on my side. Oh, Poor Naomi. You leave Naomi no, alone. No, no. Look, she's Poor not Naomi, Molly. No. She's not Molly. Okay. I appreciate I... that. Like, okay, they're lost in space. 
someone's got to give because that's realistic. But why did it have to whinge? <laughs> I think I think it's this weird thing. Like we we would. Me, me, me and friends were talking about this, about like trying to work out, and this was the poll I was going to suggest, Goodwill, that we put out of who are the worst parents in Trek, and then I realised that Worf exists, so it would have to be who's the worst parent in Trek, excluding Worf. You know, like you are the like the son I never had. Yeah, did you see that meme where it's like Picard, where it's like he's like, ah, I'd love to have a son one day, and everyone just looking at each other. <laughs> but it, but it, we, we're gonna have a poll of basically like who are the worst parents, like uh, the Hansons or the O'Briens. I mean, I mean, they do lose Molly for like a whole week, basically. But they didn't take their youngest daughter halfway across the galaxy to chase a race of people who will assimilate entire races. Yeah, it is a bit like you know. I mean, I don't know how much um, you know, like crashes cost in you know star trek universe but it's got to be cheaper than also that. side note mark raises a good point at least naomi aged 12 years in one season that's also fair yes but at least they didn't infect uh, either of those didn't infect their children with like a nano virus that gave yep. like hallucinations yeah yeah, yeah. also in the chat hey joe welcome welcome to the chat welcome to the the episode of Tangents, because Naomi Wildman seemed to be a trigger. So, <laughs> sit down, <laughs> grab a coffee. It's going to be a long one. So, <laughs> But yeah, so we're on the Raven, and Annika's asking all these questions about the Borg, because they don't really know. There's only been murmurs and subspace echoes and everything like that. They just think, oh, they, you know, there are races of beings that have been cybernetically enhanced. They don't know. The door sound effect, a little bit of a TOS sound effect added into there. See, you guys, you all turn up for my little anal Trek facts about sound effects and vessels. I'm so sorry. Everyone turns out for anal. It's fine. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Tone. You're getting, you're getting awfully low, aren't you? So, oh my god. So then it goes to eight months later, uh, started 32623.5, where the Hansons are trying to refuel. They're running out of uh, fuel. The nearest uh, asteroid field with dilithium is 10 days away. And he's like, no, no, we can last another two more weeks if we conserve energy, reduce the sensors. And then suddenly, as if a plot device had been constructed, they get a subspace echo, a subspace wave they detect. And lo and behold, there is the Borg Cube for the first time. And we do get a little bit of Jerry Goldsmith's uh, Borg theme from First Contact mm. in this. And I thought it was very, it's very ominous, that theme. And just for the, just the Borg, the cube slowly panning across the view screen. He's just like, down, down. And he's like, oh. And then Annika's like, I can't sleep. Almost like she knows, foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> What is but then they just be like, Oh, it's a bog cube, go back to bed, you little shit. You know, and it's very much that kind of like, oh, okay. But I, I think this is great though, because obviously we see just how little knowledge anyone had of the Borg. Mm. Because obviously, like we're used to TNG, where we basically go like, Oh yeah, we get a lot of knowledge very, very quickly about them, and then we'll free three five nine. But then like this is way before that and stuff, mm. and it's you know, and obviously you think about how crazy it would be if their knowledge had actually gotten back to starfleet or the alpha quadrant 
you know this is in, in order to be useful yeah this this is the thing like as exobiologists were they just storing it on the ship or transmitting it or did it get to a point where they were too far because they do say well they mentioned that they burned their bridges yeah they crossed yeah. so you kind of just go like well. oh bollocks well so maybe they weren't sending it home and that's the real shame about this that you know everything the bad that happens to seven because they're kind of shit yeah like they don't it doesn't come to anything like you know by the time seven you know seven has this knowledge and they have all of that knowledge from the hansons back they're like yeah kind of we we, we kind of know all of that really yeah we, you know but they have <laughs> like, a theory that just... they, they have a theory if they don't engage uh if they don't make contact if they don't make themselves known that the borg won't engage and you're like okay like it's still a bit ter like we know it is a yeah. terrifying thing to be in front of this huge monolith of a vessel. They're just like, ha ha ha, new species, cha la 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 la. It's like the wild thornberries, just <laughs> more dangerous. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, smashing. Goodwill, you need to see Baron doing wild thornberries. Like, <laughs> it is one of the best cosplays and drag routines I've ever seen. Stealth Nigel Thornberry, yeah. <laughs> Henceforth, Magnus Hansen is now Nigel Thornberry. So, back to present day, they go to Red Alert because they have located the Borg Sphere. Um, the shields and the transwarp are offline, but it will take them 72 hours to bring the transwarp coil offline uh, before they pop the clutch and leg it. So Janeway is going, right, we have got 72 hours. We Conveniently, bang on 72 hours, might I just add. You know, the Borg have got three exact Earth days to to get their shit fixed so january wants to do a raid so they start doing holodeck simulations doesn't go well, well we don't we don't know it's a holodeck simulation and well, i love no. this because yes. i i because we basically get to see them doing a raid on it and doing all this stuff and then it goes tits up and they're all about to be assimilated and then it goes oh it was you know it was all a it was all a simulation they dallas it i loved it yeah i i really because it caught me out i was like oh they've gone straight into this and then yeah <laughs> I do. I do also love that the shield generator is just a fucking box. It's literally just like, you know, it's just a box on a stick, and they're just like, okay, cool. Yeah, who puts shields around the shield generator? No. <laughs> but it, yeah, but all because they are six seconds late, they all die in the holodeck. Yeah, I, I love it though. Like it, it says here the quote: "Anything we can do to shave some time off." And I'm like, running. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's you know, and maybe that's me being like cheeky, but it is this thing of just getting they're awfully not even brisk when they're walking around the ship. And I'm like, if you need to get six seconds off, pelt it. You, you know, because the drones aren't gonna care. Yeah, you wouldn't run, but you would walk as if you desperately needed the lavatory. It would be like the closest an Englishman gets to running when they're late for the bus, where it's basically a sort of oh <laughs> Or, or, or just a standard gay walk. <laughs> a lot of shoulders, a lot of shoulders, a lot of sass. You can imagine Tuvok doing that down the corridor, just be like, hmm, yes, yes, we must get to the... <laughs> the Jack Sparrow. The... <laughs> Didn't you know mincing is uh, Starfleet rule number 236.4, paragraph yeah. 6. Everyone How can we mince. shave six seconds off? Yeah. We must mince. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh I, 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 I'm, I'm here for the contents. You are here for the wawas, <laughs> the wawas, the ha has. You are here for the ha has. Um, but yeah, 
Seven, this is the first instance where we see Seven who is reluctant to go on this mission because she is reading these stories about her parents. She's she's feeling reluctant. She's feeling anxiety. And who better than to cure her of her anxiety and her nervousness than Naomi Wildman who can't sleep? Oh, don't roll your eyes at me, Baron. <laughs> Don't you dare, Naomi Wildman. She is not a Molly and she is not a Wesley Crusher. It's just this thing of like, you know, the episode, I think it's season two where it's got, I think it's one of the ones with Seska in it Mm. and where they steal their teleportation. It's the Seska and what are the race called again? The Kazon. The Kazon. Seska, like in the Kazon. And then they hang on. On your head and you're just going, okay, you need to take a lot of care of them. But um, yeah, that episode where they steal the uh, transporter technology and then Mm. they just teleport anyone they don't like into space. And you're like, Naomi, that that could work. I will apologize. I'm sorry, Mrs. Wildman. But uh, and she's like, oh, thank fuck. (laughs) I just want to apologize to the guys um, who who are watching about the the feed. It did cut off a little bit slightly there, but uh, normal service has been resumed. Um, so I do apologise about the you joys. You missed much except me moaning and suggesting ways to fix the Naomi yeah. Wildman situation. The, the joys of doing things live. So, but Naomi um, can't sleep. She she had a dream about the Borg. She's curious and she starts asking Seven a lot of questions. This naturally pisses off Seven, and then suddenly the first contact Spider Borg implant comes out, and he's just like. Aah! Um, because oh, that's so creepy. It's 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 so it, goddamn creepy that part. It's great though because obviously Seven wakes up and it well, it's not a dream, but it's basically mm. like a sort of hallucination, effectively. Yes. But it's the idea that it's the idea that like Naomi is saying every single fear that Seven has, like subconsciously. Mm. And I think it's really great that the the writers basically went, hey, how can we? have that without going to like a shitty internal monologue or something like that. Mm. And I think it's great that they basically have this scene in. Obviously they could have got anyone else to do it, but it works. Like for all I complain about Naomi Wildman, she is a part of Seven's development. Like, oh, yeah. And is essential. It's like a horror thing, isn't it? Children are creepy. So put yeah. a child in a creepy hallucination thing like that. And it's going to be a little bit creepier. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. And it's also like the idea of like, you know, seven relearning humanity and obviously having like a child there and it gets that kind of maternal aspect to her, you know, and it, you know, it it does that the same way that Janeway is kind of like a mother, well, we're joking about it, but a mother to seven, seven is also kind of like a mother to uh, Naomi Wildman because do we ever see Naomi Wildman's mom ever again? She's in like one episode where she's pregnant, one episode where she has Naomi, and and yeah, does she because she gets lost and Neelix has to comfort Naomi. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just but but she's not in it as much as Naomi Wild. No, 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 because it's it's all about Naomi. Uh, Oh no, I'm starting now. Uh, So, but we do get the first instance of the Queen trying to contact Seven. That moment. Oh no, sorry. No, No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to talk about the moment where they put the Queen together and it's just incredible. Oh, yes, we will get to that part. That is a very tasty part. I mean, it's the, I mean, I mean, essentially it's like human Meccano. So it's kind of, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we'll get, we'll, we'll obviously, we'll, we'll get to that uh, part. Yeah. But th- at this time, 
The Queen offers Seven an ultimatum, rejoin the Collective and spare Voyager, or we'll just straight up kill you all. Well, you know, and people say the Borg aren't reasonable. <laughs> they, are, they are a little bit, aren't they? They are very reasonable. But uh, so... We then get a flashback back uh, to the Raven, 32629.4, three months of tracking the cube. And it, this this log is very uh, blasé by Magnus, where he's just like, we've been tracking this cube for three months. Oh, we're at the other side of the galaxy now. Oh, well. And he's just like, dude, how do you think you're going to get home from here? It is that strange thing. And it's like, you know, I think that's their failing. And that's so much a part of Seven's development in terms of how they perceive humanity is the yeah. idea of their parents are, like you say, just blasé. They're just yeah. like, oh, well, we've burned all our bridges and no one's actually caring or expecting us to come home. We don't have a plan to get home. We don't have a plan to get our information across. But of course, nothing bad's ever going to happen. And of course, going like literally going into the heart of darkness as in the Borg cube, like one of the most dangerous races in the entire galaxy, even if they don't know that yet, they must, because the Borg are infamous even at this point, like from their knowledge. But then the idea of just like, yeah, it's that weird. Why do they think they're invincible? They, they must. I think it's that it's that um, meme. Yeah, uh, What is it? The, the archetype of the, the scientist who doesn't think about the consequences basically just being yeah. like oh well it's all about the work and they don't think about the bigger picture well this is the thing like they must have known how potentially dangerous the borg were because let's not forget at this stage in, in the timeline the Alorians, who were saved by the enterprise b did escape their home because of the borg so mm. any evidence if they if they were exobiologists worth their salt they would have spoken to Alorians, and Alorians would have gone are you clinically insane to do this and also take your daughter with you but they weren't exobiologists mm. worth their salt mm. because they named the borgs bill and needle fingers don't forget junior hold on are you suggesting <laughs> I, and we were saying when we were talking about this before we started streaming i was like why have they named all of them like dick tracy villains <laughs> like you know i just love that they just imagine all of the borg with sort of like sort of like yeah see <laughs> well this is this is we're the... gonna take this borg out of service see <laughs> yes but this is this is the people behind the scenes who have an absolute penchant for 50s 40s and 50s tv <laughs> and film you know you you've got you know picard's um uh needle fingers what what was what was picard's holodeck what was Pic oh my god i've drawn a blank because it, we're live we need more information what his holodeck uh his holodeck program from first contact and that he oh. dixon hill dixon Good. hill so the, that penchant for, for that type of genre has always carried out all the way through. So having like goon names for, <laughs> yeah. for bog drones like Needlefingers and Bill. Yeah, exactly. And he just like, to where's be, Ted? If Bill's there, where's Ted? I, I, will, I will just say, in their defense, we're saying that they're shit names. But how many drones are there on that ship? Stinky you literally... lefty and jazz, Mark yeah. just said. <laughs> Stinky lefty and jazz. <laughs> I quite like it. what did jazz do to earn his name? He's just like it's basically he had a ball, jazz they, tools. They, yeah, no, it's literally it's like rather than scissors or something on the end of the arm, it's a boom box. <laughs> it's just been like okay, harmonica, but saxophone. <laughs> 
in a sense, the needle fingers does kind of uh, link back to the doctor at the beginning with that hand. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do I do like, though, that they've probably run out of good names. They were just like, oh, fucking Borg number 7,000. Oh, God. Have we used Jeff yet? We have. Right, okay. It's Jeffalina? No? Okay, needle fingers. Fuck it. The Borg... The, Paul just said the Borg needs a screaming woman. <laughs> No, 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 it does not. Paul. No, we, no, we don't. We, this, this is tying into this episode will be coming out on Monday for Monsters Up North, where we reviewed The Invisible Man, the 1933 film with Claude Rains. Claude Rains' first feature movie, I think. Yes. Um, I should know because we literally just recorded it yesterday and I've already forgotten. But yeah, it has a character in that who I will not shut up about because I can't stand her, where it's an actress called Una O'Connor, whose mm. whole job in the whole film is to just screech. <laughs> And you know that thing where it's just like, hmm, we need a woman to just be hysterical for a couple of scenes, and they're yeah. like, got it, you know. We we do get that, but, but yeah. they they so they they are watching Bill and Needles uh, take care of Junior, who was slightly damaged, and he goes into his alcove, and they just legit kill him, take him offline, and start salvaging whatever they could from the body. And that, that's the, what that's how I want to go. Just saying. Well, I mean, he sat there that's, recording this on his Google yeah. Glass. Because guys, it's Google Glass at the twenty. That's going on TikTok. You know, that's that's yeah, going. It's just like lols. Oh, TikTok in the twenty fourth century. No. Hashtag F F Y P. Is it? Is it for your perusal or? Yeah. What are you page? For you? Oh, right. I don't know. I, oh, I log into TikTok and I'm like, it's making noises. Close. We 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 uh, don't do the tick and the talk. We barely do the facey b, but we are we are on the U and the tube. So we are, we are so old and in the way. But yes, back to present day, Operation Fort Knox, as it's been now called. Uh, Janeway um, is speaking to Seven of Nine and she's reassigning Seven of Nine to the bridge because she can sense that something's wrong with Seven. Seven begs to go, but mm. she doesn't say why. Oh, go on, Barry. I have the quote. Oh, she's got the quote. Baron mm. quote. <laughs> um, you underestimate the Borg, which I like that links back to her saying my mm. parents underestimated the collective. So she says, you underestimate the Borg. Voyager is my collective now. Your survival is important to me. Assign me to the away team. Mm. It's very foreshadowing and it's 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 very like, do you not get the hint? Nudge, nudge, think, wink, wink. I think though we have missed out the scene, which is where Bo uh where where um Seven has the vision where she's speaking to the Queen. She has a transmission from the Borg Queen, mm. like basically sort of going, Hey, we know all about the plan. We know that you're trying to get, you know, yes. you're trying to invade the sphere. And yes. I always thought it was weird that whether Seven was aware of that or whether it was like, you know, totally subconscious or like she's in this scene and you're just like, why can't she tell Janeway about that? Because that's kind of important. Or does she like, do they factor it into the actual do, plan? Does she believe, I found it a bit weird. Or does she believe that if she can hear the Borg, the Borg can hear her? Hmm. Mm. So potentially not tipping off the queen. You know, you could go into the ready room and go, Captain, I've got a mad woman in my noggin. And she's <laughs> saying if I don't join them, she's going to blow you into smithereens like you did with Tuvix. Do you remember Tuvix? <laughs> yeah. So, and, and Jane and Janeway's just like, oh, and you want to go back on the mission? Okay. Yeah. Like, so I think... You sound sane. I think she was quite clever in, in sort of 
doing what she did in case she did tip off the queen. Mm. So I, I I do like yeah that. okay. But we we did we did have because Baron. They they mentioned the quote earlier on about the parents, Seven's parents. Mm. Uh, so that was the scene previously. This is the this is the bit where yeah. So she Janeway reluctantly puts her onto the team. Mm. How do you feel about it though? Like about obviously Baron. Uh, feel free to defend Janeway here, but I found it a bit misguided Janeway here where she's basically going like hey uh you might not be ready for this but watch all of these logs someone else could do it but watch all these logs of your dead parents uh, and then afterwards she's like oh that emotionally affected you hmm wonder how that happened I don't know it's the idea of it seems like sort of setting something off and being like oh well let's see what happens it feels a bit horrible of Janeway if I'm honest she is very good at that, isn't she? Uh, making decisions for other people. Uh, morally grey decisions. She's very um, morally grey, yes. Yeah. Um, like, like the Tubics, like, like um, de-assimilating uh, Seven, mm-hmm. really, because Seven begged to not be human. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, we know now, and we know now in the future future, yeah. that that worked out great for her. But she did beg. She didn't want to be a human at all. She wanted to stay part of the bug. So I think Janeway is very good at making those horrible decisions that generally turn out well. Mm. Yeah, she's... At the time. I I think it's good, though, that she's like that because it's like the fact of all of our captains in Star Trek are kind of morally grey. Like Picard, you know, has his, like, oh, duty and honour, but he's not perfect. Cisco does what needs to be done during a war, uh, and Janeway is very much kind of like it's that it's that thing, and it obviously we do go into it in a couple of episodes where she tends to make the right decision. She tends to be like, okay, fuck with your opinions, we're doing this, and it is the right thing to do. But then mutinies and stuff like that, or people disagreeing with her. But it is the idea of she's not always right, and that's. I don't even know if she does anything about it, though. I don't even think she learns but, but over the course is, of time. But look at Cisco. In an, I think that that era of Star Trek, the true blue Starfleet captain, just wasn't going to cut it on television. You needed someone mm. who was morally ambiguous, morally grey, um, because it, again, it was that era where I mean, even Picard uh, later on was was morally ambivalent. And that carried on. I mean, I'm going to say it again. And Mark, it's not because of you. Battlestar Galactica with Adama was extremely morally great because it was in a very unique situation yeah. where, mm-hmm. you know, let's let's not forget they were in the Delta Quadrant. They were 70,000 light years from Starfleet. She had to make the decisions on her own for the benefit and the saviour of her crew. But... She, if you look at the pilot episode and then all the way through, she evolved to be from true blue to morally grey because she learned that being true blue Starfleet is not going to cut yeah. it in deep space. So you need to have that ambivalence and the, the balls to make those really bad, really awful decisions... You know, how far do you go? Like, a lot of people have said, like, if you compare end of season seven Janeway to season one, episode one Janeway, would the last episode Janeway have 
done what she had done to get her crew back to the Alpha Quadrant. No, but and no, and that's her development. Yeah. Although yeah. maybe throwing Neelix out of an airlock could have been thrown in the deal as well. But you know, so <laughs> in general, though, or these two episodes in general were huge uh, character developments for both Seven and Janeway. Yes. I think they were massive turning points for both characters. I, I think it's I think an the, amazing. Yeah, the 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 bond was strengthened because of this episode because like you said baron the mummy issues all came <laughs> to the surface but they they do they do this is mm-hmm. she she had unresolved uh, mother issues with her original mother the borg queen and janeway because let's mm-hmm. not forget when seven of nine came aboard she was an absolute brat Huh? She just did what she wanted to do because she thought it was better. It's like, and Jane was going, no, 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 no. Only I can do that. <laughs> you can't do that. And the thing is, as well, all of her mothers mm. have decisions for her. Yes. Like, she is not being able to make her own decisions in her entire life. And Mark raises yeah. a good point there. You can't do the right thing if you're all dead. Yeah. Yes. It's a good so, point. Yeah, it's about the hard choices. <clears throat> and I, and I, I think that's it. And that's a very, very good point, Baron, because I know I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, like, and it's this idea where Seven has never had any kind of agency. And it's like, we're, it's great that we kind of get it in season three of Picard, where she is like literally going like, hey, fuck everyone. I'm going to actually have agency at last. Where, you know, she literally mutinies. She helps out Picard and Riker. And it's great kind of seeing that, that she's kind of come that far rather than being like, oh, okay, mum, I'll, I'll do what you say. <laughs> you know? She she became more well-rounded. She became more human. Mm-hmm. Without, you know, I mean, this was the thing with, with season three of Picard with Shaw dead naming uh, Seven, <laughs> calling her Annika, calling yeah. her Hanson. And it was... Yeah, that he he did that because he's like you you are human you are not Borg you are not you will be called Annika Hansen you, and it's it's a case of she is seven she is not forgetting who she is she is not forgetting where she has come from she is wearing it as a badge of honor, which is strange though because in this episode it has seven demanding to be called Annika, Annika Hansen yeah when the Borg when the Borg say you know the Borg Queen basically goes like oh you are seven and nine and she's like no no I'm a human. And it's that kind of, I think there's something wonderful about the fact that the journey has been but she's yet to around it. being yeah. like, hey, am I this? Am I that? Am I that? And she doesn't know yet because she hasn't accepted that, that side. She sort of rejected yeah. that side completely because she's like, okay, I want to be completely human. So you will call me Annika Hamza. And then obviously 30 years later, she's like, I accept the human part, but I also accept my Borg part because they both make me who I am. Well, the important bit that she has chosen, she has, yes, she has done all of that journey and she has gone, and this is how I identify. And yes. that's obviously a very important thing right now in society. Incredible. The idea of being like, hey, they have decided that. <laughs> you roll with it. You know? Once again, if you are a bigot and you like Star Trek, please check yourself into a mental institution at your earliest <laughs> convenience. Thank you. So back no, no, to the that'll show. That'll take up taxpayers' money. Just throw yourself in a wood chipper. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> Demonetized, Demonetized. Right so back to the show um they they get to the box sphere 
they fire off a shuttle, one of 750,000 that they have in this very tiny shuttle bay. They fire the shuttle. It quickly becomes uh, a realisation that this is remotely piloted by the wheelman of Voyager, Tom Paris, <laughs> who is chewing a toothpick and wearing some aviators because, you know, dimension. They don't take the bait initially, but they, they eventually do. They do take the bait. They track to the shuttle. They begin assimilating it. As they bring it in, they lower their shields. The away team beams over as the shields are down. Mm. And then we hear the Queen again to Seven say, never forget who you are. Never forget yeah. who you are. They plant the charges on the shields. They steal the transwarp coil, detonate the shield generator. And as they are doing a runner, Seven goes, I am staying. Janeway naturally goes apeshit. She was like, the hell you are. I'm taking you with me, whether you like it or not. And yeah. and Seven's like, uh-uh. And then this is Janeway's no-wire hangers moment. <laughs> this is Yeah. And the, the 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 two the two goons taught it up, Bill and Needles, as we'll just call them, Goon One and Goon Bill two. and Needles, the Goonies. Ha ha! Goonie reference. <laughs> so, <laughs> are you happy, Paul? Can I have my job? Yeah, don't set Paul off about the fucking Goonies. Yeah, <laughs> but Janeway, Tuvok, and Kim beam over, leave Seven, the sphere transwarps out. Uh, lovely bits like Baron mentioned earlier on. Really, for 1999, delicious bit of CGI and direction for the Borg Queen coming down from her... What is she doing up there? No one knows. Coming down from her head <laughs> jar from Futurama. And then I loved how, because it was so goddamn expensive in First Contact to shoot and animate, they just thought, CGI. Yeah. They, they did all this. But that, fun fact, guys... That is Alice Krieger's Borg outfit from First Contact reused. Really? The same outfit? It is the same. Outfit. I love that that was probably part of the casting process. They're just going, hey, by the way, will you fit this random yeah. Alice Krieger outfit? Yeah. I, I will say though, I'm I'm being horrendous because like I have and I know it was I know it was the 90s. I know, I know, I know. But I have said it's the Borg Queen from Wish in my notes. But it's because she was it's the like... original. She was supposed. To, she auditioned for the role of the Borg Queen, and they did want her. But they did go for Alice Creech because her performance was better. But bless, yeah. I, I don't believe mean in Susanna, Susanna Thompson. Thompson. I yeah. don't mean in Susanna Thompson. I mean in terms of the '90s special effects, like the whole, like we had with Babylon Five, where basically oh. everyone was like, "Oh, it looks so advanced," and you're like. But they did win an Emmy for this. They won an Emmy for this episode. What? Um, for, the special, for the special effects, they beat out so many shows and they won an yeah. Emmy purely, well, largely for the animation for the Bog Queen. Really? For a team well, Okay, well, well, fuck my drag. <laughs> Sorry, okay, Baron, what was that? No, it's all right. She's she's my favourite Borg queen. I think she's stunning. The way she speaks is is ominous mm. and like just like concerning. It makes you feel um, concerned for anyone she's speaking to because there's just something really unnerving in her voice. Take care, Mark. Uh, like I said, please message me. I watch <laughs> you on the show. So take care, Mark. 
to you, Mark. But, Thanks for joining. Yeah. Hopefully, I haven't been too offensive to the world. Oh, it's fine. But no, you you are absolutely you are absolutely right, Barry. The the fact that Susanna Thompson based her performance on Alice Creed as well as as well is is really good because she delivers it perfectly, absolutely perfectly. Because She's they so are good. a hive, and yes, the ball queens are individuals per se, but to have a similar trait. Absolutely, stunning performance. I always wonder about this because it's the idea of what are the queen. Actually, it happens later. It happens in part two, but it. Mm. Um, I love the fact where it has the Borg queen speaking, and it comes out the other end as the voice that we knew from TNG. That is the best. Oh yeah, let's just tidy up that little loophole mm. thing I've ever seen. Where basically, because we always just go, "Hey, why have they got queens now?" When they used to have that crazy voice before, and then in this one, it just goes, "Oh no, it's just how the speakers work." Oh, it's just you know the the voice gets translated into that. And the, I think that's the voice brilliant. of the hive, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh... But it, but it just are the Borg queens all the same program? Like, is it the same personality between them? And it's just the body. That, you know, like, is it that they go, oh, we need a queen. Okay, cool. We'll get this body, put it together, and then put the Borg Queen mind in it. Or are they all individual, like a a, a cast, like, is it cast or cased of um, ensemble society? No, uh, no, not I'm, the no, body I parts. Ca- I mean, like, the actual, oh. like, you know. An entourage. Really... Well, you know, like, are they, are they all, like, a class of the Borg where it just goes, hey, these are queens, these are drones? Or is it just there's one queen who gets replicated everywhere? And so this one is the one who was in First Contact. The one that's in Picard is the one from, you know, First Contact. Yeah. I don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. The I think work like like bees in a hive, mm-hmm. then their queens are going to have to have similar um or the same kind of um aspects to them yeah mm. which makes them the queen yeah so I yeah they, they they yeah it's it's sort of because it's never fully i'm hoping somewhere down the line there is going to be a anthology or mini series that explains the origin of the bog because this is a this is a race this is a species that well not species this is a co- collective <laughs> of people that we we need to learn the origins of because it goes back as as far back as the i mean someone said like the 14th or 15th century earth earth time that's how long the borg have been assimilating what happened there has been beta canon there has been novelizations where it was you know a race's plan to cure a disease and it spiraled out of control and it was a mix of cybernetics and biology you know the the a singularity moment for a species what is the um the the thing is i watched like a youtube video i don't know if it, i don't think it was their track culture but it was basically about you know potential origins for the borg and the crazy what's the what's the alien race called from the first movie uh the first original series movie goodwill the motion picture yeah oh yeah so there was a theory that it was the artificial race that vija yeah. uh um, was was and rescued it, oh. and the problem is that the video was basically going hey uh roddenberry specifically said no that's not the origin of the borg and i'm like 
but that's kind of perfect. Like it kind it of really is. that slots really well. And he's just like, nah. And you're like, oh, okay then. <laughs> you know, and it feels a bit like, oh, okay, that I'd be quite happy with that as the origin of the Borg. Like in terms of yeah, I would, I would love to see how they they do do it. Because I, I want to know, because yes, we have plenty of theories of the Borg Queen. Yes, we don't know. Mm. Because obviously in First Contact, she goes, you think in such three-dimensional terms where Picard goes, but you died on the cube. But we want to know, like, are they are they queens that are replicated but have a, you know, a higher cognitive function to run um, large swathes of the Borg Empire, shall we call yeah. it, you know, that other hive minds can't. I would love to see the origin of that. But I mean, getting back to this, this is where part one ends because the Borg Queen goes to seven, welcome home. And that's where part one would end in certain, you know, if you're watching it on syndication or anything like that. But the yeah, Queen, yeah. if if you weren't fully into Star Trek, if you were looking at the nitty gritty, you would think that that is Alice Creed. You would think that that is a spitting image. Yeah. Oh, it's so well done. It's, it's so well it's done. Perfect. Absolutely. Maybe they're si- hmm? <laughs> Maybe they're Cylons. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think that was the next evolution, wasn't it? Maybe. <laughs> Imagine if they tied together. We've already established that. We've already established that. Uh, what is it like? Red Dwarf exists in the same galaxy is like trek and stuff so i i i just think maybe it started with the film weird science Ooh. and yes and basically just spiraled from there they evolved GB. from the 1980s hr <laughs> giga hr giga i i hr giggy giggy that's that's a drag queen name if ever there was i'm tired uh but but yeah so the the second the second episode obviously the next scene the queen basically says that we planted you on voyager we let you go but won't go mm. into further detail because she goes to seven it's nap time <laughs> i love it time for your nap oh you're getting tired oh go in you go in your alcove yeah yeah because this is the thing because as seven's uh regenerating we've got janeway um back on voyager wanting to know what possessed seven to rejoin the collective because i believe it's chakotay that says and it never crosses her mind hey maybe i shouldn't have made her watch loads of videos of her dead parents ah anyway you know why would she possibly be annoyed yeah but then chakotay says well she did say that she'd betray us and janeway's like well no because she said that we are her collective you know she call back to the early Mm -hmm. part of the episode that we are a collective etc etc they are vaporizing getting rid of the debris and neelix again gets a paycheck says what do you want to do with seven's alcove it's using quite a lot of power and jane was like no leave it on let's just drain whatever remaining power that we've got it seems a bit odd it's like oh this was their favorite television let's just keep it on permanently and you're like you can turn it back on i'm pretty sure i i don't know how the alcove works but i'm pretty sure you can be like and standby. It's mode. sort of like the Cisco's <laughs> baseball of Voyager, where they're like, "No, no, they'll be back. Keep it on." But I'm like, "But you can turn it off." Yeah, yeah. Don't dismantle it. But turn you know, it off. It's although not that, a would blast be, that would be obvious. <laughs> I mean, imagine what happens when Seven comes back, and it's like you know, when when you come home from college, and like, and you're just like going, "Mum, why have you 
big filled my room full of boxes and stuff. <laughs> it's it's the equivalent of that. But Why is there is a like, treadmill you know, in my cargo bay? <laughs> just comes back and the alcove's got loads of random boxes piled up next to it. Yeah, two Vic shirts, season. Oh, right, okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, everyone's favourite character, as in these two, Naomi Wildman goes to see Captain Janeway, demands an audience with the captain. Uh, Tuvok's like, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a crewman that wishes to pay a visit, and Janeway's just like, I'm having my coffee. But then <laughs> she sees Naomi. Naomi's submitting a rescue plan, bless her, to to come and find uh, Seven of Nine. She's like, well, if we realign the deflected if, and 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 Janeway's like, oh, sweet stupid child. You don't know how physics works, do you? <laughs> I, I do. I do quite like it though. Like I'm not, you know. Obviously, we live in Tory Britain, so it'll probably come to child labour eventually. But it's the idea of it's great that all of the kids shown in Star Trek being this close to um, I'm trying not to laugh. Um, being this close to sort of like the action, effectively, they're so clever. Like you know, we have like yeah. Wesley and we have Naomi Wildman, and you wonder if it's like because they're in the thick of it like they're on this ship and it's impossible to get away from practical knowledge but mm -hmm. like she's really good in this scene where she's just like oh yeah yeah i've totally thought about this and i've thought it through and i don't know that i it's endearing to naomi no matter how much i dislike the the concept of the character i understand that they are essential for a7 like they were you know a foil to seven effectively and this scene is kind of endearing but this is why... Then they throw her at the airlock. This is another reason why Star Trek gives me hope for the future. Because our generation, the younger generation of today, the youth... Are watching youth! Peppa is that Pig. Double, o, double O F? They're watching Peppa Pig, eating Tide Pods, <laughs> and generally just being an absolute <laughs> nuisance. In the future, they are solving problems via the use of quantum physics. We don't know they're not eating Tide Pods though but maybe oh, they're is like it the tide pods that make them intelligent is that why the government is oh time to find out <laughs> <laughs> diddly, 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 diddly. <laughs> no not the x-files wrong show so um <clears throat> yeah so janeway's doing a doing a scan of the sensor data that they received whilst on the bog sphere and as naomi is proposing a plan the computer completes their analysis and they realize that these random anomalous subspace signals and, and wakes and noises are actually signals transmitted to Seven of Nine's uh, cortex from the Borg. They are Borg DMs, if you will. And the Queen has been sliding right on in there with her PVC <laughs> to go, hey, hey, you up? <laughs> Seven was. Seven was, indeed. Up. Yeah, so Seven just left her on red for too long. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my days! But back on the back on the legend. Legend of Lan is like there's a mannequin in her al alcove wearing Neelix's clothes. <laughs> I just love the idea that they just got a well. Neelix will put this here. But yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh my! But back back to the Borg sphere that now goes into the Borg hub, as I'll call it. Um, there there is a an actual name for it, but I think Tom Paris Tom pa Tom Paris. I think Tom Paris. I think Tom. Tom Paris. I think Tom Paris. That sounds like the 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 maid from Tom and Jerry. Yes, I think Tom Paris says the bog thing. 
Um, it goes into that. Seven wakes up. She realizes that she has been modified. Uh, the terms and conditions have been updated in her brain. And she's like, why? I didn't accept this. Please decline. Remove it. Yeah. Uh, uh, the War Queen has been making certain modifications to Seven while she's been sleeping. Which is the mummy issues here. This is the whole gaslighting and the whole, yes. this is what the Borg Queen's like. And I think it's this whole thing of, sorry, Darren. No, it's all right. I've got another quote. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> we don't want another drone. We want you. Very Which, sales technique, you know, isn't it? it? It's very reassuring and makes her feel special because she says, she says to Seven, like she's the... You know, like, um, I, I think it's a scene, actually, where she basically goes, you are special. You are the only Borg ever to return to a state of individuality. But it's that whole bigging them up only to then treat them like crap, effectively, you know. Because uh, the ulterior motive has been revealed in this scene, though. Because why did they let her go back to Voyager? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, although, then again, I disagree, though. Like, Hugh exists. Surely the Borg are aware that, like, Hugh and all of that stuff, you know, the episode we previously did where Law basically takes control of the Borg. Ah, uh, yes, but Hugh is on the run. If but he still returned from... to a state of individuality. Though. Yes, but in, in Descent, in Descent, when we did Descent Part 1 and 2, mm. at the end, he did take the liberated Borg. So we don't know where he get, And obviously, you know, they just didn't think of that. That's, that's just... <laughs> I just don't think that they need to or want to tie it, well, any loose ends when it comes to the cube. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they, so for you guys uh, watching, they, the ulterior motive that we are referring to is that the Borg lets Seven return back to Voyager because they need her help to assimilate humanity. They want to understand the resistance that humanity has and they believe that seven of nine becoming an individual can gain that valuable insight that the ball can then use to assimilate uh humanity far more easier mm. which it's like okay now the, the... i think it's great though the plan that she suggests is very it's similar brilliant. to what we get in picard where it's the idea of assimilation as a virus rather than direct contact contact and it's it's a really terrifying concept the idea of just being like yeah we'll put it in, we'll put nanoprobes into a virus and then basically over generations we'll eventually own everyone and you're like okay that's terrifying and you should totally do that and then they just don't yeah <laughs> because in order to see to, to basically test the, the loyalty of seven they set off to assimilate species 10026 hmm. um middlesbrough middlesbrough well i mean yeah. same population amount that's kind of scary please <laughs> please do it you'll enrich us no end the they don't need I, to I, do I have a feeling that the borg landing in middlesbrough they would just ignore them no signs <laughs> of intelligent like... life okay <laughs> pound shops and B and M's. Okay. It, no, it's pound shops, B and M's, and was it cash converters? Gross. I'm sure there's like five of them in the city centre. Yeah, probably. The people, in, the people in Borough don't need the bio dampness. <laughs> no, they don't. They're like, nope, nope, there's no life signs at all. If anything, I'll be the one pushing them. So, uh, <laughs> they... Uh... <laughs> 
So we go back to the Raven, another flashback, which it's been a while since we've seen the Raven up until this point of the episode. They are analysing a drone on the Raven. Again, nutcases. Yep. Where they go, oh, this one's from Unimatrix 1. Oh, this one knows the Queen. Oh, it's oh. a collectible. Oh, it's a collectible, but he's out of the box. So he needs to go back. Yeah. He needs to go back. Oh, well. Oh, well. So we'll go they, on eBay. And they're like, oh, he's about to wake up. Let's send him back. Cool. Maybe send him back just before, like maybe half an hour before he wakes up. Because oh, we saw... you've got a kid. Yeah, we, we, but we had it in the previous scene, though, where he's got the biodampener and she's like, oh, it's about to run out. And he's like, nah, I've got a couple more minutes. And it's this, like we said earlier, the blase attitude. And and yes, to give them credit, this is probably something that's built up due to them not having any accidents for three months and them getting cocky. But it's still, it's their fuck off. <laughs> you know, they did say, this. Baron? Oh, no, I was just quoting little Annika going, bye, drone. Oh, <laughs> so yes. Nice. Bye, murderous drone. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, there's, there's a good quote from Chakotay after this because they go back um, after after this little scene. It's it's Janeway reviewing the logs in her, in her quarters and Chakotay comes in and they're discussing. And then Chakotay goes, as brilliant as they were, their failure was being overconfident. And then immediately Janeway goes, we won't make that mistake. <laughs> do you not see what you've just said yeah that's it it's like and then they just immediately do the same thing it's, they're just like okay we'll just be cocky on a board ship and you're like yeah, okay because she mounts a rescue she's going to take the delta flyer again delta flyer in this little tiny shuttle bay they've modified it with these bio dampeners uh, no, sorry, the, the shield dampeners that they had on the Raven mm. um, with these biodampeners. And this is exactly what I'm saying, that the whole point of the Borg is to get all of this knowledge, accumulate it, and then sort of remember it and use it to make themselves perfect. And then they literally just go, hey, we've totally encountered this technology before, but let's just, no. you know. <laughs> and obviously the Borg Queen does bring it up. She goes, ah, yes, we've seen this before, but you're like... Why would you do like they didn't seem to get the biodampeners before? They didn't but, seem to get this. But it wasn't from the Raven, was it? It was Balana had some marquee tricks up up a sleeve to to shield the the ship. So maybe they hadn't yeah. come across those marquee yeah. shield. I think it was a remodulation of of the idea. So every time that they, they, they would adapt, they would like they do with their phasers, they would remodulate the phaser for another frequency. So then they would then just disappear. I think that's yeah. what they were doing. So they, and they, and again, the Borg Diamond ar arrives at this planet to assimilate the alien race. This for me was uh, these few scenes. Yeah, Diamond, another fucking shape ship. Like it's literally the geometry whole geometry fetishists. Yeah, it's just ge geometry Borg. Like we have like all we literally next gen. All we have is cubes, and then the film yeah. it's like. <gasps> We've got a sphere, and then in this one, it's like it's fucking everything. You know, it's just like Legend, oblongs. The legend diamonds. of land is has corrected us because Middlesbrough is not a city; it is a town. Oh, I know, Lan. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I love it. I live in Borough. I totally be assimilated for my extensive knowledge of useless information. It is very true. It is very true that some some people would get assimilated in Middlesbrough, but. <laughs> They would be the best um, maintenance drones and cleaner drones you will ever see. But yes, what was that, Baron? Needle fingers. Yeah, needle, uh, oh. needle fingers. Yeah, yeah. heroin. So, uh, <laughs> so 
yeah, so they arrive at the planet and uh, Seven begins studying and the Queen challenges her, like, what is this race's strength and weaknesses? So the weaknesses is manoeuvrability in the ships. Their strength mm. is their weapons can be, uh, they can penetrate the bulk shields. The Queen already knows what they need mm. to do, but she challenges Seven. This is another test of loyalty for Seven. Seven goes, well, I think we should do this. And she's like, I thought the same thing. Done. And you're just like, okay, yeah. It's, okay. And this is the scary thing, because obviously, like, the Borg don't seem like much of a threat in this episode. They feel very sort of dampened down, and it's yeah. the way it's posed. But it is this scene where it just goes, yes, that is how quickly they can just render all of your technology useless. Like, that. that's this idea, and it's... And because it, and the episode's not framed in that way, but it does bring back the horror of the Borg from TNG. It's very, just being like, scenes are quite oh chilling. God, you know, like, yeah. wow, they are a nightmare. It's 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 yeah. quite chilling because you hear them, because obviously Seven refuses, well, no, doesn't refuse, she's apprehensive, so the Queen tells her to go and repair the shields. As she's doing it, she can hear the screams of the people. Be, let's be honest, harvested. Yeah. So you can, you can hear the screams... She gets very apprehensive. She gets incredible anxiety. She starts to, to walk away. She can see all these people walking past. One of them starts to run, and Seven instinctively grabs hold of him. Yeah. And we, we she, get She again dooms the, that man. Yeah. She dooms that man. Like, and it's that. It's very powerful. Yeah. The, to see. Because they proper double down on the injection for this one. He had both vaccines when it came to this <laughs> assimilation because they were like, oh, you ran away. Double the amount of nanoprobes for you, <laughs> Kevin. Straight in the neck. But Kevin she, the Borg. But she, yeah, Gary the Ferengi. Gary the Ferengi, Kevin the Borg. Kevin the Borg. But <laughs> Bill, they, but that instinctive... You can see that you know that 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 the bog part of it was instinctive in holding him, and then to sort of course correct, she goes into the simulation chamber, a, a simulation chamber, and we see great prosthetics with the the arm cut off and the animated. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Oh, it's, it's in, it was chilling in first contact. That was the same thing that they used in first contact for that. So a great reuse of a prop. Yeah. She sort of goes, I mean, they're in shock because I, I initially I thought they were assimilated, but no, they're in shock because they just sat there and they're just watching this man be dismembered and then assimilated bit by bit. And she's going, I am not a bog. Help me. She she lets them escape. She helps them escape in a badly damaged ship. And then the bog leave orbit. And you see the wreckage of all this. Essentially, a race has been made extinct. Although a yeah. race of 300,000 people with warp ships and stuff. And I'm, I was a little bit kind of small. Very small for yeah. a race, but okay. Yeah. The... But then again, we don't know what they've been through. Maybe they've no, had some kind of massive war or something. Or maybe maybe it is just a colony of them, you know? It's, yeah. it's, it... So so as, as the Borg leave orbit, the Queen detects the ship that's been overlooked. And the Queen challenges Seven again, another test of loyalty. How do you propose? Do we destroy? Do we assimilate? And the Queen, uh, Seven goes, well, neither. Absolutely neither. They don't pose a threat. They, they, you know, we, essentially, we have got what we have came here for. Ah, yes, but if they leave, the, the, the race will fear us. The, the race will hate us. And, so, and it's, 
it's it's sort of it's a, it's an insight into the justification of why the Borg do what they do. Yes, there is the the element of perfection and adding biological divergence to their own, but it's also well, if people exist, they will fear us and they will come after us. And you're like, you are billions, if not trillions, of people, and you are still scared of four people. It's also the idea of the 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 fact of if their race survives, mm. then there's a chance that they can be better than the Borg. There's a mm. chance that they can be their individuality and that they can go on to do stuff outside of the Borg that they can't do within the Borg. So I think it's this idea of stopping that entire thing, like you know, stopping that potential is a, is necessary because you can't really say, hey, the Borg aren't perfect. I think. I don't know. I don't know if I phrased that right. But... Um, Baron, were you surprised that the Queen let them go? Uh, I don't remember the first time I watched it. Um, no, I don't think so. Um, no, I don't yeah. think so. I like. I do like the quote after from Seven. Though does, does she let them go? She lets I, them I go. And then, I thought she went, fuck it, nowhere we're taking them in. But but Borg said, uh, but, but, sorry guys, Seven says to the Queen, I thought compassion was a human emotion. Mm-hmm. And I like yeah. that. I, I really did like that because the Queen knew and the Queen pulled her up. She was like, I knew you let them escape. But she still, and again, I, I, was, I was quite surprised because I thought the Queen would have destroyed them. Not assimilated, just flat out destroyed them to prove a point that no one is safe if they if they resist they will be destroyed but she let them go to show compassion to show that the the bog are capable of this we are not just sorry about but i i think it was just another gaslighting technique um if she had let them go like completely mm. um and not pulled them back before they got away anyway um I think that would have been just to go, oh, look, Seven, I'm, I'm listening to you. Look, I'm listening yeah. to you. Yeah. Aren't you? Yeah. Keep bold, Queen. I'm your mother now. <laughs> the, uh... Hold on. Have we, have we passed the bit where they're talking about we, where they're assimilating humanity and they just randomly have a holographic hot guy? No, I... that's, that's, that's after. Is it later? Yeah, that, that's I, afterwards, yes. I oh, literally sent, I spent ages I bet you did. take pictures of my, my thing just to be like, that's how you demonstrate a race. That's I would assimilate the fuck out of that. I'm just saying. <laughs> he had he had but... a mighty barnet on his head. That's all I'm going to say for that model. <laughs> it was mighty. It wasn't quite Larry the Lurker. If Sammy's in, I don't know. If Sammy's <laughs> in the chat. Not well, as good as his Buffon. We we Buffon. We go. <laughs> Sex Pest, the musical. We go back to. <laughs> We go... This is me describing the movie The Wolfman. Baron. Monsters up north, guys. Watch <laughs> it. Just for the bouffant. The... We go back to the Delta Flyer where Janeway is still reading the logs from the Raven. And at this point in the Raven's life, it has been badly damaged by a particle storm where the, the shield system dropped for 13.2 seconds, which meant that the bog detected them. And the bog were like, huh, we're coming for you. <laughs> so they're on a mad run. They make a shout out. They they detect a Mutara class nebula. Shout out to the Wrath of Khan, because that was a Mutara class nebula. I thought I liked that. Magnus doesn't want to run. And we're like, what? 
but they eventually well, settle. He, he doesn't want to hide, yeah. but he's like, he's just illogical, basically, like as he's been throughout the entire thing. Yeah. Uh, so they they try and look for an M-class planet. Annika is naturally scared. She says she can't sleep. Magnus mm -hmm. goes in, tries to reassure her. And he's like, oh, no, everything's going to be fine. She's like, will it hurt being a drone? Everything's going to be fine. And I'm just like, dude, be a better parent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's giving Worf a run for his money. At he this really point. is. Like, he, 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 like, when you watch it over and over, you're like, you are one of the most negligent parents in Star Trek. And we've got Worf. Yeah. I think that's great, though, that, like, literally we have that, where we have Seven, who is an example of someone who has survived, like, having shit parents that aren't considerate. And I think, I and I think that's, like, an important message there, where it's the idea of going, cool, you can start from the worst upbringing, and you can bring it round by having the right people around you. Yeah. You know, like, like Janeway... Not the Borg Queen necessarily, but obviously the time in the Borg is part of Seven's life and it made yeah. her good in some ways and bad in another way. In ways. But I love it where it goes back to the ship after this and it has the the doc because the doctor's the one reading it and he basically has the the quote, most explorers don't take their four-year-old daughter along for the ride. And you're like, Yeah, yeah, pretty much that's the difference between like good scientists and these guys. Yeah. A hundred percent, because Janeway even says they should have quit while they were ahead. Yeah. And you're like, yes, thank you for recognising these are the most negligent parents ever. Yeah, oh. they, they don't have a redeeming feature. Like, it's the idea of they put themselves in danger by being stupid, and that's a lesson in itself, I think, yeah. you know. But the doctor... The often it's a bit like, oh, should we really be doing this? And then, then as soon as Magnus is like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. She's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's see that. Great, cool. Exactly. The idea of just going, it's also her, because obviously we're talking about him being the problem, but like mm. you're saying, it's also her for not being actually fuck this shit, you know, like standing not up. Not thinking of her daughter, shall we say. Because mm -hmm. she's like, oh, there's a bog drone. Okay, let's go for lunch. And you're like, <laughs> what? what? Because... The doctor has an idea to modify um, the comma ray to access Seven's interplexing beacon in her head so that they could speak to her while she's on the ball cube. Because they have found the cube. It's 200 light years away, but they are using quantum slipstream. They are hightailing it there. Um, and then obviously, yeah, Janeway says that they, they should have quit while they were ahead. And really, you know... It, it baffles me that, yes, I mean, no wonder they burnt their bridges with the scientific community and, and most of Starfleet because everyone must have said, are you completely and utterly stupid to take your daughter along with you? Are you completely and utterly yeah. stupid to go on an unarmed vessel to hunt a race that you don't know about that we've heard rumours that assimilate people? With the, the, exactly it's like you know like you say it's imagine if one of your friends like you know if some of your friends that had a kid and they were just like oh yeah i'm just gonna go off and um do like be a reporter in a war-torn country and i'm gonna bring my kids along with me you would just be like no no don't do that you know like you you, yeah. you wouldn't yeah 
Baron, you were like this in the negligent wild thornberries. <laughs> well, kind of to an extent. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like it. Yeah. The wild thornberries weren't bringing the biggest predators onto the bus. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, no, 100%. Uh, uh, 100%. Nigel would have tried, though. <laughs> Nigel would have tried. Smashing. So, the next scene, the next scene is everyone's favourites because we get births. We get the birth because we get finally the Queen's plan, which we referenced earlier on, where she wants to detonate essentially a, a bomb in Earth's atmosphere to release nanoprobes that will assimilate all organic life on Earth. Now, I have a problem with this. There is more to the Federation than Earth. Mm. Because she's like, oh, well, before they realise what's happening, half of the population will be assimilated. And I'm like, dude, there was 160-odd planets in the Federation, plus colonies and everything. But as as we have in DS9, when um, when Wayun and... Ducat. Ducat. Sorry, mental blank. When Wayun and Ducat are talking about the tactical significance of Earth, Mm. it's that the Federation is really dependent on Earth. Like, they put all of their stock in that. And so I think the Borg are very tactical. But uh, tactically going, hey, if you get rid of Earth, you cripple the Federation, regardless of all the other races. Mm. Because... By because we've lost Vulcan by this point, haven't we? Or... No, no, that was Vulcan was in the Kelvin verse. We never lost Vulcan. Oh right, we never yeah, lost. Yeah, I think you're thinking I know of Romulus, we lose Romulus. But that that's Romulus, but ten years don't, don't, down the line, yeah. Don't we lose Vulcan in one of the stories? Or no, something? no, that's that's just in Star Trek oh, right. Online. Yeah. Well, I wasn't going there anyway. But it's um, but it's it it it, it never appears on TripAdvisor. <laughs> Everyone was boring as. <laughs> Is that shit. an Enterprise um, reference? TripAdvisor. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. What's his yeah, child's well, like? wow. trip? Speaking of wonderful butts, <laughs> this hologram here, where they demonstrate humanity by just bringing up some buff guy in his undies that just spins around, and you're just like, "Yes, I'm listening to the plan." It's yes, lovely we- though, because you've got that really hot guy, and then you've got Seven, and you've got the bald queen. It's just, it's just a screen full of really hot people all at once. Yeah, but did it. you notice that seven, seven, seven doesn't do this. Seven does this, never does this. <laughs> so props to Seven of Nine for being laser focused on what she was looking at. Because anyone would be like, yeah, <laughs> hold on, wait till it comes round again. <laughs> yeah. Speed up the lazy Susan. Uh, <laughs> Speed uh... up the lazy Susan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's it, it's a great scene. To be fair, it's I absolutely, absolutely love this. And you know, obviously, like I said, it's it's similar to uh, season three of Picard. And yeah. it's this idea of how terrifying the Borg are, and that the whole thing of we've seen other races trying stuff like DS Nine has the Breen directly attacking Earth. It has the Dominion directly attacking Earth. Mm. The idea is, what would it be like if the Borg actually properly assaulted Earth? The closest they get is first contact, where they have a sphere that gets close enough. Mm. But the idea of the the best thing about the Borg is that they are all the way over there, you know, and that they never get a chance to do anything. But this is, for, for Seven, this is the, the, the last test of loyalty that the Queen proposes, uh, because Seven refuses. Se- Seven absolutely refuses. Um, and 
she does want to assimilate humanity comply or be a drone is what the the queen says that's the last ultimatum and then she brings forward her dad fucking dark man and the <laughs> the the i mean again See, look your dad agrees <laughs> but 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 props to the makeup because to make him look so dead-eyed as well like the the glaze because he's been a drone for decades and the glaze in those eyes like there's no because yeah. she just i mean i love the fact that seven goes papa like the, yeah. the child within immediately goes to that and the drone just does nothing and Absolutely. and obviously if we think about it how much work that was for the borg queen to get them there purely to be that mean that manipulation tool that is you know she, it, you that, know, that is so yeah. telling of how they how um like Deep. corrupted yeah. this relationship is yeah. you know yeah because the queen also then manipulates her says well i remember annika hansen i remember you i and i was like oh it's 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 just so chilling so mm -hmm. so chilling but then that's when we hear uh, Janeway's voice in her interplexing beacon, <laughs> which immediately backfires because the Queen checks Seven's par, as I referenced it in my <laughs> yeah. notes, because she's just like, Janeway. And I'm loving the fact that all the villains now are just going, Janeway. She's got a why reputation. Did you, why did you sound like the claw from Inspector Gadget there? It's, it's the poor Queen, not like... Wouldn't it be brilliant right at the end where the queen is just floating and she'd just be like, I get you, Janeway. And just float <laughs> off into time, Janeway. Yeah. I would love that. Why why don't shows do that? Why don't shows just have villains escaping through broken windows anymore and then coming back next week? The... Actually, have you ever seen a show? What's it called? It's called um, Danger, Five. Danger 7. Danger, Danger Five. 5. Yes. Where, have you seen it, Baron? There's a, there's a show called Danger 5, and it is amazing. It's an Australian show where they try to make it as shit and low-budget as possible. But don't mention anything, but, because you will be banned. Well, okay, but the villain in it is a famous villain from German history. A very hyperactive uh, Austrian. Yes, uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, with, with territory issues. Uh, yeah. But... Um, but basically every single episode he escapes by jumping out a window in exactly the same clip. So yeah. basically whenever he escapes at the end of an episode, he just it just shows a clip of him jumping through a window. Even if the room they're in doesn't have that window or anything, yeah. that's how he escapes every episode. Guys, honestly, I, I implore you, after this episode, search, search Danger 5... <laughs> Watch it, but for the love of all that is holy in the prophets, do not, under any circumstances, post pictures from it or reference <laughs> certain characters because I guarantee you, from experience, you will be banned off Facebook for a week minimum. Really? I, post I posted on the Nerdy Up North, uh, Agent <laughs> FBI. I posted <laughs> that image... And then within 13 seconds, Facebook were like, hi, Michael, enjoy seven <laughs> days of doing nothing. I keep forgetting he keeps coming back with different jobs. Yeah. There's, there's an episode, Baron, where he, he tries to infiltrate a high school by pretending to be a teenager. Yeah. But it's just... It's... With facial. Yeah, With yeah, facial. like oh, he's yeah, literally, yeah. it's that, but wearing teenage clothes. 
it it is so funny or, or when they like... when they're trying to infiltrate a base a certain party's base and there's an alsatian and they go <laughs> leave this with me and they have their own female alsatian that seduces the male alsatian where the alsatian in german goes got a light handsome this is the level of of WTFery that this brings. We're missing out the fact that it's not even trying to be a proper Alsatian. It's oh, literally no. like a toy dog. With a it's smoke like a toy machine. dog just being like Yeah. It's 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 honestly it's it's a comedic take filmed in a sixties style where everyone smokes and <laughs> So and and <laughs> jumps out of a window. There was only two yeah. seasons, but please, guys, please watch it because mwah, chef's it's kiss. Brilliant. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Good total, God, total. the 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 tangents, the divergence. That was a segue and a half. <laughs> the, the dark frontiers in which we voyage um, is. is <laughs> I'm, I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> no, no, come back with the velour, please. this is why you're the science officer you don't have a rank you are the science officer because you are the alien race that has to wear velour because it is part of your culture i think i think as as we've seen in trek i think the only person who can get away with being is shit and derivative and like yeah not following the rules whatsoever is basically being a science officer we have bashir being like oh i'll do whatever you have mccoy being like Oh, I killed everyone. You have uh, Beverly being like, well, candle slag. Um, you have like, what's it? Hashtag candle slag. And, and also just being like, oh, well, maybe. Pulaski, I, I'm I'm a stand of Pulaski, I will say that. Yes, uh, but yeah, and obviously the, um, the doctor in Voyager, who is just the biggest, like, hey, you know, like, Fuck everything. He's amazing. Yeah, but so so again, getting back. This is the this is the standoff scene. This is the climax of the feature length episode. The queen is searching for Janeway and the flyer. Queen is searching. Queen is searching. The 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 modified shields is is working. When it doesn't work, they remodulate. They disappear. The queen then bluffs to seven to say. We have found them. We have brought them in. They are assimilated, and the queen uh, and and seven just goes, yeah, nah. I would have heard them by now. Mm. And I, I I love that. I, I love that. Then Tuvok on the flyer locates seven of nine on a heavily shielded part of the chamber. Uh, they go after seven. Janeway. I mean, Seven's resisting all the way through this. Janeway arrives with the tweezer Tommy gun. You know, it's a culmination of all the mams. Well, two mams and a dad and a pizza place in this in this one scene. Uh, and the uh, the the one last ultimatum um, is is given where it's basically oh, was it the ultimatum? I'm trying to. Jane, oh, that's right. So Janeway gives the queen an ultimatum to basically say let seven go or i will torpedo the ever loving bastard out of everyone and myself and the queen goes you won't do that and it's like dude have you ever met like janeway (laughs) she is like the the rigs of star trek voyager she is the lethal weapon in starfleet's arsenal 
She she's literally just waiting for an excuse. She's just like, give me a reason to kill everyone on Voyager. Even, I've been yeah. trying to do it for five seasons. I will kill everyone and myself because it is a Tuesday and the coffee is shit. <laughs> that is to quote Castlevania, it's it's like the longest suicide note in history. <laughs> Seven years. Good God. It's um but yeah, so the Queen relinquishes control of the flyer, but then modifies does she modify something where they can't beam out? Yeah. 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 And then Seven basically says, Well, if you take or you know, if you take out the the thing above her she will lose all control of the hive and then we can beam out. And I'm a bit like at this point, I'm like, well, she's got hundreds of drones around her. Why doesn't anyone go for Janeway? You know, these yeah. can adapt pretty quickly. Also, why doesn't Janeway just shoot her? Like, I always wonder this. When they, surely the first thing you do is go, I've got one shot until they adapt. Shoot her in the head. You know, I just, and, I, I kind of... But Janeway's also... Always I was talking about this. I, I was talking about this earlier with a friend where it's the idea of, I love it, where you get scenes in games where people react the way they would. Where it's yeah. like, oh, it's the villain. Let's just try shooting him. You know, and when you get that, and obviously they're like, oh, I have a shield or something, or, oh, you missed kind of the... But I love I love the idea of Janeway just came in and she was like, right, shoot her in the head and then grab seven. It's <laughs> but you can't. Good, entertaining monologues if you just shoot someone in the head. But even even if she just shot and then it, it was adapted, like it was adapted, it was heavily shielded, that would have been fine because that would have been the Indiana Jones moment that we expect yeah. from Janeway where the Queen's like, I've got a really diverse monologue and Janeway's just... Yeah, and, and then it turns out that the Borg Queen has a shield. That, wow, that would be Janeway ultimate badass if he did that, you know? Yeah, so... Janeway shoots the node. They escape in the flyer. The diamond in hot pursuit, which I would a sentence I'd never thought I would ever conceptualize and say. Sounds like a drug reference. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it does. But they they hightail it out of there. The flyer gets to Voyager. Chakotay, you know there is a wise shut up. <laughs> shut up, Chakotay. So, <laughs> oh Yorkshire. You're from Ashington. <laughs> Yorkshire, Chakotay. Um, the yeah, so the, the, they detect uh, a rift in subspace opening up. They detect the transwarp. The flyer comes out. Chicote is like Captain. Now you are right. She's just like shoot the hole. So he <laughs> absolutely pummels the transwarp conduit, and that's it. It collapses, and you think, okay, that's the end of it. There's a little bit of exposition. Now you are right. Is everyone all right? Yes. Blah, 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 blah. And then it reopens, and you just see debris. Yeah. You just see debris. I would have loved, and I know it probably would have blown the budget. I would have loved... It's going to be so cliche as well. I would have loved just to have seen a floating queen with her eyes open, but a blink. Or a, I... or a thing of data being transmitted or something, like a signal being transmitted or something. I don't know why. I know it's cliche as yeah. I do apologise. But... I... I, I just, I would have loved that, but we know there are many other queens. I, I think, though, it's the idea of this way it kind of goes, did she die? Like, do, you know, it's that whole thing of, oh, maybe she beamed out before. You know, it keeps it there. But one thing we do know is it does mean that Annika's dad is dead. You know, uh, as in or that drone. <laughs> well, yeah, they beamed him out, but... No, correct. He, he died. Me. He died doing what he loved, being Co a shit parent. Yeah, being dead-eyed. 
Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Did Annika's uh, mother survive? Or did it's she die when the raven time. crashed? I think she probably survived, but anything can happen over the, a course of time. I think it's this idea of... You know, I, I wonder if maybe the Borg Queen kept the dad around as collateral, but, like, didn't really make a much of a fuss about the other, because mm. why why do you need both? Like, if you need one to prove a point, mm. surely you'd just be like, oh, well, fuck it, it's just a drone. You know, that's the whole thing about the Borg. P potentially, yeah. I just think, I mean, forget, if you, if you are watching this uh, mm. later on recorded, guys, please leave a comment below if, if I have missed that. I just, I can't remember after this episode, and obviously the one where they do find the raven, anything else being mentioned about the mother, either being assimilated or dead or was blown up or, or, or whatever. I like, the, I like the idea that actually she died trying to protect Annika in this last sort of, you know, like this last kind of, oh shit, this is what I should have been doing the whole time. Was was the raven? I like the idea of that. Was the raven when the located the wreckage? Was it before or after this? I can't remember. I can't even remember that episode. I I don't remember them finding the. Episode, but it probably didn't. I'm pretty sure it was before, because it was, there was an issue where she was hearing. Uh, she was hearing voices, wasn't she? And she she was drawn to the Raven, but it was a Borg transmitter. Yeah. Was in oh, record. is that where she has the records from? But yes, yes, it is. Thank <laughs> you. Okay. <laughs> the science officer has earned his velour pair of the week. We have clarified <laughs> that it was before. Um, Ten strips of gold pressed latinum. Yeah. <laughs> but quite importantly, they they did steal the transwarp coil. They did get a good. 20,000 light years out of it, which is cut 15 years out of their journey, which, yay, props to them before giving out. Yeah. And then we do... They should get... have stocked up on them, though. They should have gone like, hey, let's make, like, let's get 10 more, like, sort of warp coils, you know? Yeah. But we do get this lovely final mothering scene where the message is Janeway is the winner of the mama battle. She is the big mama. She is the one not to be messed with. And I, I love that it's... The Borg believes Seven was unique and that she understood humanity, but they were mistaken. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a really lovely, it's a really touching scene, and I love that Janeway just goes, right, bed, madam. Yes. But I'm not yeah. tired. Bed, that's an order. And she tucks her into bed as well <laughs> metaphorically obviously but she tucks her it into bed sorry it mirrors the moment with the bulk queen making i go to sleep earlier on as well yeah it, it really does and I, and I think considering like kate mulgrew and jerry ryan's relationship was frosty at best when they first started i think both off camera and on camera we see that gelling and that deepening of that relationship um, See, I, I, I'm not sure because I think they were still pretty, you know, not getting on. But up that's to, acting. Up to season you know, five. it's like I don't know. Like I don't, you know, because isn't it something like like with Harry Kim, uh, the actor who plays Harry Kim? It's like didn't it last quite a while? But but I, I think it's this idea of with actors, you 
you don't need to get on with the person that you're working with. It's like it's like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where you realize oh, that all of the drama happening behind the scenes there, and none of it comes up on the actual episodes. And you would think that these people were best friends. Yeah. And then obviously behind the scenes, you're like, oh, everyone hated everyone. Okay. <laughs> you know? But overall, Hashtag... yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Overall. But, but the thing is, though, we've been, sorry, before we go into the <laughs> thing, we've been talking about the Borg Queen and Janeway in regards to Seven being a, a parent figure. Yeah. I think what we need to discuss is the parallels between Janeway and the Borg Queen. Like the fact of going, these are two people who are meant to be vicious enemies, and yet you're looking at them being like, hang on, so one of you... One of you is like a totalitarian ruler who basically always knows best, always like sort of makes everyone follow their rule. And the other is the Borg Queen. There we go. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> fully, fully telegraphed there. But, you know, I, I think that's something that we're not really discussing. And I think it's important. It's it's yeah. Th but this harkens back to how Janeway matured into a very morally ambiguous character. And the fact that, yes, Janeway has done really shitty things and to essentially pull someone else up on their shitty things, it's sort of like pot calling Kettle Black. Yeah. It's, but in terms of who is the least shittiest morally, Janeway ekes out because at least Janeway has not committed multiple counts of genocide at this point. At this well, point. We're gonna <laughs> it just counts as one. Okay, we're gonna Lord of the Rings this. It's like that was just one planet, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, like I said, they are they are two alpha females. They are two really strong leaders in their own right, and it's sort of this all boils down to who loves Seven the most and who is the better mother. And that's mm. all it boils... I mean, an alien race has to be nearly made extinct in order for this... Well, you can't make an omelette without breaking a couple of eggs. Yes. And by it's... eggs, I mean about 300,000. That That is a big omelette. It's a lot of omelette. I, I will burn it. <laughs> <laughs> but I had this conversation uh, with with my wife the other day after I finished re-watching it, and I was like, it is like you've got to make the choice between he was right in this episode and i think yeah, i think janeway does does win in that because mm -hmm. she's not space <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and it's, it's it's imagine if the bald queen jumped out a window at the end of this scene i insist oh that'd be amazing he's just jumping out <laughs> I, I think if any feedback for brandon braga who who helped write this episode jumping out of a window even though there is no windows on a cube a window pane <laughs> there would <laughs> i'll get you next time Jamie. <laughs> no you but... won't <laughs> No, but it's really good to like hear your thoughts on it, Baron. Like, because it yes. is such a fascinating character study, and how good the actresses are in this. Like, it's oh, you know this thing of like Voyager, where it's like Trek is made by having so many amazing actors in it. Like, you know, obviously DS Nine, I'll gush about it forever, but in this one, you're like, 
Fucking seven of nine, like two Tuvok is amazing in the last episode that we did, mm -hmm. and like seven of nine Janeway, mm -hmm. the Doctor, it's just a tour de force, and the Borg Queen, like it's just oh, she is so... she uh, for for Susanna Thompson to step into rather big PVC booties, it's it was a hell of a. I mean, Alice Creed couldn't do it because there was a conflict. Mm -hmm. um so they they went to essentially their silver medal to for want of a better term but she nailed it worked with janeway didn't it because janeway yeah, was uh, yeah. Ka uh, did catherine was the um she was the second choice no she, kate mulgrew was the second kate choice, mulgrew, yes was the second sure. choice yeah but it it's 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 a testament to Susanna thompson's acting ability in this episode that she could pull it off and absolutely hit the nail on the head when it comes to portraying Creed's queen and do it in her own way. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Overall, the episode, fantastic episode for the wheel to choose, I thought. Um, mm. A good double feature or feature length, depending on your territory. Overall, absolutely loved it. What did you guys think? One of my favourites, that mm. along with uh, Species 8472, it is one of my favourite episodes of Voyager. Sinoise? Uh, I... Yeah, the same. Like I did not know what it, which one it was, because obviously I remember when I was telling Baron, like, "Oh, this is the episode," and I just said it was a totally different one. And yeah. we started watching the one with Species Eight Four Seven Two, and I was like, "Oh, hang on, hang on, no, totally wrong one." And I've totally forgotten this episode existed. And then it's so core, it's so like essential for Voyager because yeah. it's 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 like Seven and Nine's background and this idea of how you know it's her backstory. But I I think. This has everything I love about Trek in it. And I think it's a cheesy episode. I think it's one of these ones, like, for all I complain about, where I just go, why do they do that? Why do they make that decision? Why does that work? But it is television, and we get a very good episode out of it. And we have all of the tropes we love. Like, we have the Borg. Like I said, the ship is exactly what we want from the Borg. The Borg themselves are amazing. They're not scary anymore, mm -hmm. but the Queen is done to perfection. And I never realized this until this episode. And then I watched other ones and they do the same thing. How the Borg Queen is always followed by a green spotlight. And then it has scenes and it's so iconic where it just has scenes where she's standing there and it has the two spotlights. And I love that someone's job on set was to follow the Borg Queen with a green spotlight. And it reminds me of like, you know, the old movies and the in the Adams Family movies in the 90s where for Morticia, they gave her the, the beam across the eyes like they did with Bella Lugosi and stuff. And it's that level of cinema amazingness, you know? I, I, I absolutely love Bella Lugosi. One of the, I know it's not what he said, but it's it's always been one of the tropes where it's like, oh, I'm Bella Lugosi. And it's like, because he, he, made, he made absolute, he made some corkers of movies, but he made some trash. <laughs> and one of them was the phantom creep and I, I just never forget it there's there's like mystery science theater 3000 always used to impersonate bella lugosi and one of the one of the the quotes that they had was because obviously he made schlock it was the era where hollywood was just a conveyor belt of movies you'd finish one you do another 700 and it's like, there were so many inconsistencies and he's just like, I don't care. I say, shoot the movie, let God sort it out. And I'm just like, yeah, that that was generally most B-movies in the 40s and 50s where it was just like, it's schlock, we'll fix it in post. So, but anyway, guys, 
It is now time. Is that are we having a transmission, love? Are we get no. the transmission in. Oh, oh God. because we do have another incoming transmission. Incoming, incoming transmission. transmission is under the table. And then we go back to this scene because I do have some breaking news. Because next week, treks and trekkers, nerdy up northers, and all viewers of this fine channel, Mark. Cartier of the Shuttlepod Show will be a guest of Star Trekking with Nerdy <laughs> Up North. We will be discussing all things Star Trek, all things oh, podcasting. Poor bastard. The poor bastard. <laughs> we will be discussing all, all things Star Trek, all things Shuttlepod Show, all things Battlestar Galactica with Mark. I am slightly hot with moist. anticipation moist moist <laughs> because mark is an absolutely lovely chap and i can't believe that he watches us still but we are the uss adequate we are the uss adequate I just love that he joins the podcast and it's always when I'm on this insane rant about Keiko O'Brien or like Naomi Wildman and I'm just like, this couldn't have been timed better. I'm a professional. At least, at least he didn't stay around for you referencing Trip Tucker's ass because he probably would have texted him and said, guess what? Text him. <laughs> Give him my address. <laughs> That's... But yes, guys, so next week we will be talking with the wonderful Mark. However, however, the week after, I think we do have another incoming transmission. Incoming transmission. <laughs> and Let we're back to the, the double wheel. wheel of oh my God, guys, the double wheel has been perfectly framed. Has it been perfectly framed? No, it hasn't. Yes, it has. <laughs> Now it has. We're on the live, we're on the fly, we're doing it Voyager style. The morality is grey, we're airlocking people, we don't care anymore. This is season three of Enterprise. The button has been undone, we are going nuts. Why am I still talking? Anyway, <laughs> the double wheel of episodes. If you are a first time chatter, first time watcher, first time lurker of Star Trekking with Nerdy Up North. Not Larry the Lurker though. Larry the Lurker or Gary, the... Larry or Gary the Ferengi. Gary <laughs> Gary and Larry, both brothers in Ferengis. The Dabble Wheel of Episodes has four hundred plus Star Trek episodes, shall we say? It has there? it has everything that isn't Discovery or Kelvin. Uh it doesn't have Kelvin timeline in and I I think it has everything else in there though. I think So so everything maybe... everything pre Including the movies. Yeah, everything pre two thousand and nine. Shall we say? So it doesn't yeah. have a Kelvin verse, and right, that that's fine. So everything pre two thousand and nine is programmed into the double wheel of episodes. Sounds like my music taste, Christ. And what I do as the captain of the USS Adequate, the barely functioning wheel, because the Adequate is falling apart around me, <laughs> spins. At the end of the spin, we all yell "Dabo," and whatever episode it lands on, we will review it in the next review episode. This, guys, will be our last random view episode for a while because me and Science Officer Sinois and all the other guests that are going to come back because Baron's coming back, whether yeah. they like it or not. <laughs> we we have locked onto your uh, transport pattern. You will be no. remaining in the buffer until any notice. <laughs> so, yeah. It's all of the chat just being like code of honour. Code of honour, code Fingers of honour. Fingers crossed for code of honour. Hashtag candle slug. The, 
<laughs> Sub Rosa, I'm telling you. So this will be our last random review. So for one final time for the next two, two and a half months, shall we get spinning? Let me have a look. Should have fixed it so it lands on Code of Honor. Don't Hindsight. you fucking dare. Here we go, guys. I'm going to spin now. Oh, my God, the anxiety. Oh. Double! What have we got? In two weeks' time, me and Science Officer Sinoid will be reviewing Star Trek The Next Generation episode, Captain's Holiday. On the one on Riser? The one on Riser. Ah, this is great. We have Ferengi in it. We have, what's her name? She's amazing. And she's only in like three episodes. She's on she's DS9 in... as well. Yeah, she's in DS9. She is a, she is an amazing character. I will it's get like... the synopsis up for you guys. Because yeah. I know you guys like a good uh, ba synopsis. Baron, do you know the character we're talking about? Where it's the, um, she's like remember. a... She, she's basically like a, a thief, but she's just a really great character. She's like a thief from D&D. &D. It like... is... Uh, I will get you the name. It is... Vash. Or Vash. Yes. Vash. Vash. I remember Vash. Yes. So, the synopsis is quite short. <clears throat> I'm dressed for Riser, actually. That's quite nice. Oh, shall I get a Hawaiian shirt for this one? Yeah. Oh, we yes. can do it. Yeah, we're doing Hawaiian shirts, man. Oh, yes. Right. So, I actually, I got my mum to bring me. My mum just came back from a, like a rock festival in Ibiza. Mm. And I said, you need to buy me the worst shirt you can possibly find. Oh, she did. She did me proud. She brought back the worst piece of tat that has ever been created. So I will be wearing oh, that. Wear this. So the, the synopsis for this episode. <clears throat> Picard takes a much needed vacation on a riser, but unwelcome events keep interfering with his rest. This is also, I believe, the Fifty Shades of Earl Grey meme where this comes from, because he does the deepest of V's. <laughs> so we see all of Picard. We see his vast Mutara nebula on his chest. <laughs> Don't give me that look. I'm, I, it's one of these things where I'm like, I, I, no, Picard isn't sexy. I, I can't see it, and it's how just, very I, not my, not my type. Not dare my type. you? How very dare you? I will. I'm going to get Daddy. you. I'm going to get you a Ryzen fertility statue as punishment. <laughs> I'm going to make you as horny as possible. <laughs> oh my! Oh, oh my! <laughs> oh my God! Let's go back to that screen. There we go, guys. Treks and trekkers. This has been our review of Star Trek Voyages: Dark Frontier. This has been the longest episode we have done. Holy two hours and 15 minutes. That Oops. is unbelievable. Wow. I would like. Thank you, for, thank you for sticking around for this, Baron. Yes, thank you. I would absolutely like to thank Baron. I hope you have had so much fun and I hope I've you have a, enjoyed it. I've had a really lovely time and I'm really pleased that I was asked to come on for Voyager, of course. Oh, you, you shall be coming on and you shall be coming on again. I insist <laughs> upon it. Um, you will remain in the buffer until time arises. That you shall be summoned. 
What, uh, what like Scotty? Scotty, yes, everyone Stick, remains in the Sticking in a buffer for look, like 100 years. Look, the mission statement of the USS Adequate is... Uh, I forgot it. <laughs> I forgot it. I forgot yeah, it. I forgot it. To because... seek out new guests and make them uncomfortable. So, yes, I am living by the mission statement, okay? To boldly go where many <laughs> YouTube shows have gone before. Un- uncomfortable emotionally, no, but I do need a wee, so... There we <laughs> go. Oh, good. Hour three. So, guys... <laughs> Thank you so much for everyone who has been in the live chat. We absolutely love each and every one of you. Thank you to everyone who watches this, whether you are live or recorded. Every single view makes a difference. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to Nerdy Up North. Like this video. Every tiny bit that you do helps the algorithm and helps us get out there to all the people. Yes, also, uh, follow Baron. Like Baron, what are your, what are your socials? Where would you like people to follow you? Like TikTok, I, Instagram, I, TikTok and Instagram. Um, so it's at Baron Levey Drag on Instagram and at Baron Levey on TikTok. Yeah, do that. You won't be disappointed because, like I say, uh, Baron is one of the best drag drag performers I've had the honor of working with, and they're amazing on TikTok even though I can't stand the platform. <laughs> even even though I get really confused, I'm like, oh, what shit is it giving me? Oh, it's a barren one. I'll watch it. And they are <laughs> wonderful Star Trek cosplayers. Because yeah. they look absolutely beautiful. It has been an oh. honour to have you on this episode of Star Trekking. Guys, please follow The Velvet Snatch and all oh. the links which are below in our description. If you enjoyed the cover of Star Trek Voyager, that our wonderful... Should we call him the in-house band of Nerdy Up North? Adam? <laughs> should we call him that? When we have a live show, should we just Adam, you can call me call anything you want. Oh, no, he started again. <laughs> Hang on. Someone get a hypo spray. Someone, someone just... <laughs> Calm him down. That's <laughs> the that's the Ryzen. Dehormonize. Uh, yes. De- someone take it away. Um <laughs> you can you can catch all of Adam's work on the links in the description below. Nerdy Up North, we are obviously on YouTube. We have a fantastic Facebook community. We have a Facebook page. You can also catch us on Twitch. Discord. We have a Discord. Good grief. It's never ending on the Discord. So many wonderful people on there. We have Twitter. We have... uh, Did I mention the tick and the talk? Did I mention the tick on the talk? I don't think I did. We've got the tick and the talk. We've got Instagram. We will have MySpace shortly because when society collapses, Tom will rise again and we will be able to have custom MP3 themes and sparkly curses yet again. It will rise again. Did you see that someone suggested, oh, Twitter would be so much better if I could put my music auto-playing when someone comes to my page? And it's like, oh, God, we don't learn from the mistakes of the we've, past. We've come full circle. It'll be Bebo <laughs> next. You wait. Nerdy <laughs> North will be on Bebo. I did a wonderful interview today with the Queen of Nerdy Up North, Sani, for the BBC. So you are looking... That stands for British Broadcasting Company, doesn't it? It stands for British Broadcasting Castration, if you pay a licence ah, okay. fee. Ah, <laughs> and there goes the BBC. The Yes, so me and Sammy did an interview for BBC Radio Newcastle. So look out for that if you are local. This Sunday, it is the Standard Podcast, the wonderful live podcast, Sunday, 7.30pm UK time. 
top five comic book heroes. We've obviously got Monsters Up North on Monday, 7pm UK time. With me on it! Ha <laughs> ha! He never sleeps, he just regenerates via a USB-C. <laughs> That's what we are believing. That is now canon because I said it on the BBC. They were like, it's a micro USB. It's a micro yeah. USB. I'm not going to. They, they were like, talk to us about Graham. And we were like, he doesn't sleep. He just regenerates via USB C. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, he, he absolutely. He's the hardest working person in the northeast of England. God, 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 no. God loves Sinoids. God love the science officer. But anyway, guys, we are going to wrap it up there. Thank you so much for everyone who watched. We love each and every one of you. We will see you next week. But until then, live long and prosper. Stay safe. Love everyone. Fuck bigotry. Love Star Trek. Bye-bye. Miles? Miles?